Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. It is day two here in the studio without Tom Brenneman. It is Wednesday morning, June 28th. It is great to be with all of you. Paul Fritschner here sitting again at the main desk today, tomorrow, Friday. Jacob, Elliot, Casey, Reed, everybody is here with us this morning. Tom is still out this week. He's in Annapolis for a, uh, a family event out there in Maryland. So you got us for the rest of the week. And you got us coming on the heels of a Reds win, which we're going to get to plenty of t- Reds talk in this show because we're going to have Nick Kirby on to talk with us in about 15 minutes. 10-15 coming up with Nick Kirby. It's great to be with all of you. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hump day, as they say. This is Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. We come your way every Monday through Friday, 10. A. To 12. P. That's right, Reed. (laughs) And it's available right here on YouTube. You can subscribe to this channel at Chatterbox Sports. You can like this video. You can also uh, go subscribe in podcast form. We're available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, all of the podcast platforms where you can get your podcasts. You can go there, subscribe, leave a rating and a review. Chatterbox Reds was in the top 10 of baseball podcasts nationwide. They were also in the top 200 of all sports podcasts on Apple last week when the Reds were in the middle of their winning streak. So things are looking up at Chatterbox Sports. The numbers are there. And also, I'm going to pitch it here at the top of the show. July 17th, Monday night, against the San Francisco Giants, Chatterbox night at the Reds. We'll talk more about that later. And we're getting close to some merch. I know uh, Trace on Chatterbox Reds has been kind of pitching some merch. You've been getting some previews, been seeing some things. I don't know if they've seen everything. Elliot, I don't know if they've seen your idea. They did. They, they did. did. It was on the, it was on the, <clears throat> it was on, excuse me. It was on the uh, stream last night. They showed the uh, Harambe, the, the, the Harambe shirt. It is probably the, the world's greatest piece of merchandise ever made. It's fantastic. Yeah. Without question. And whoever had the idea for that, they should probably get a raise and a thank you card is what I think. So we're still trying to find two things. We're trying to find whoever dropped the bottle at Casey's Mm -hmm. wedding. And then we're trying to figure out whoever's idea this was. They might be the same person. Oh, they might be the same person. They could be. be. They could be. Could be. And whoever that person is deserves a raise. And Uh, I I would agree. And jail time (laughs) for dropping that bottle. Well, then you could just put it in a fund and... While you're in jail, just collect some money. So one thing we need to get out of the way before we really get going here on the show, two things. Sorry for the uh, abrupt-looking wall there behind Reed and Casey. We are redecorating here in the studio, so we're we're moving some things around. There's no jerseys behind it. What do you think we should do? We'll put it up to the chat. What do you think we do for interior decorating? Mural of Elliot? Hmm. 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 Would your Serbian I, skin look good on a mural on a wall? <laughs> yeah, I think it would. Let, we could put all our faces over there. The little tuft of hair that you have? Yes. I, you know what? Actually, that would be great, Reed. Let's just put your head, but cut out like the eyes and all the important stuff and right. just leave the tuft. Yeah. Just your little head. tuft of hair. It's not a lot of hair gel. It's just enough. What would really set it over the top would be if we could get a little actual tuft of fur or something and put a little fan there and it just blows in the wind through the whole show every time, you know, just an (laughs) oscillating fan. The other thing that we need to let you know before the show really gets going is that Elliot might be on his deathbed. Yeah, it's bad. So yesterday I felt a lot of pain. I thought it was my back. So I've been trying to lay down. Yesterday I was laying on this cold, hard ground in the studio for about 25 minutes trying to heal myself. I woke, I woke up this morning, 
got out of bed, stood up on my two feet, and fell directly back on my bed. I mean, I, my hip, whatever is going on with my hip right now, so if there's any doctors in the chat, uh, maybe Evan. Evan seems to know, like, he knows a lot. So maybe Evan could maybe point me in the direction of a doctor that could help me with my hip. It's, I, I'm in so much pain right now, I can't even breathe. Before the show started, we had a, a visual of Elliot basically sprawled out on this chair. And I said, Elliot, if you want to do the show like that, you absolutely can. Whatever makes you most comfortable. Because he was lying on the floor here in the studio yesterday trying to make it work, doing the zillionaire. That zillionaire video, which, uh, by the way, did that win last night? Did you, do you think it won? I knew the result. I was just asking. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I'm so bad at gambling that I like I like I was close to calling the hotline yesterday. That's how close it was. I, I was I was going to try to ask him for some winners because I can't I can't buy a winner right now. That's what that's how I my back is hurt and I can't win a bet. How's your day, Paul? My day is doing great. Yeah, I bet. It's a beautiful day outside. And the air <laughs> quality bet. the air quality is not too good. Yeah, air quality is bad. Is that was that fog or was that just air quality? No, that's the air quality. It's the smoke coming down from Canada still. Oh my god! The the air quality index is almost at two hundred. That's terrible. Yeah. That's so. Paul was throwing this idea. Do you think Taylor Swift's going to get canceled for that? Dude, I I threw that out there yesterday because we were looking at. I was looking at the weather and I saw that you know there was potentially some rain in the forecast for Friday night. I'm going Friday, and you look at Saturday too. There's some rain in the forecast through the weekend. You know, Reds game, FC, a lot going on downtown. All outside yeah. activities this weekend. So I was like, oh, let's let's see what we're working with. Friday's supposed to be 90 and sunny through the day, but there's some rain chances at night. But if this I mean, I'm not gonna say that they're gonna do it. I think it would take I think it would take a lot because you gotta you gotta think of how many people are flying in for this. Yeah. I mean, this is not just a Reds game that you could potentially play a doubleheader the next day. I mean, this is nationwide. People could be flying in from wherever because somebody in California bought tickets to this show and that's yep. the only one they could get. Yep. Yada, yada, yada. And that's just how yada, it rolls. Yada, yada, yada. Paul, <laughs> you know, it's funny. You, I, I'm drawn back to you getting these Taylor Swift tickets and somehow you still got them even though you missed, uh, yeah. you missed the initial download. So Monday, you guys were out at lunch. I get an email from a similar thing to see Zach Bryan, my favorite artist, at the Red Rocks Amphitheater said, you are selected to go see Zach Bryan at Red Rocks. I get fired up until I realized that he was playing that night at Red Rocks. Oh. <laughs> I had eight hours to get to, get to Colorado. Oh. Just wasn't going to do it. But it was very high, then it immediately def deflated. Yeah, I was, I was watching videos of Zach the night before that concert. I was watching some of his concert videos from New York. And I was saying to myself, man, it'd be really cool to see him at Red Rocks. So I went and looked up the tour schedule, and he was in the middle of the concert right. at, at Red Rocks. Yep, yep. Yeah, I don't know. It would be wild. There's absolutely no way they could there, cancel that there's show. There's no way. There's no way. I mean, unless it was truly a, a public safety health danger, that I, there's just no way they could cancel the show. No, and Taylor's too much of a professional to cancel on her fans like that. She wouldn't cancel. She played, it, she, it would she have played to, Gillette in the rain. Yeah, she wouldn't cancel. It would, be a, it would be a health and safety. But, Elliot, I appreciate you being here. Yeah. There was, I'm not kidding. There was there was a moment this morning where I was questioning my existence. I was ready to call the doctor. I was ready to call an ambulance. It was bad.
Now, the, the reason I knew that you would show up today, I, I was very sure that you were going to show up today. Yeah. And, I, and I sent this to Casey so that Casey <laughs> could, could run this on the air. Actually, you know what, Elliot? There were two reasons that I knew you were okay. going to show up today. Okay. Because last night, like I said, we knew here from in the office that Elliot was really struggling and he was in pain and we felt bad. Is he, is he going to be able to make it into the office today? You saw the emergency press conference he did, or maybe not, because we're going to run it here in a second. I said, nah, you know, about 11 o'clock last night, Reds win. And Casey, the, just want to go ahead and, and play a couple of things for us. Uh, which one's first? The highlights? It, yeah, or? it doesn't matter. You go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Highlights. All right. All right. Rolling highlights. Yeah, throw that. He goes, pitch out. They guess right. Throw down the tag. Oh. Elliot, who was that? A lot of extra effort there. At second base, Jacob, who hit? Jacob, that's, a, that's our second baseman there that had to plunge out of his way and dive and do a front flip and get that tag. Okay, wait, there was another one, too, in there, Casey, I think. That was a, good, yep, that was a, great, pl that was a great play. Just, Here it is oh, again. Oh, no, don't time. you worry. I, oh, my God. Right. That's pretty athletic. You think you could do that, Elliot? No, was, especially was, not with this hip. Especially not with this hip right now, but man, I, that guy has longer hair. I, I don't know who that is. Okay. Now how about this ball one? Okay. Up, this, flies out. Right, that's a tough play. It's surely it's an outfielder's ball. Oh, wait a minute. Did a second baseman make that? Sprinting into the outfield? Casey, I think we need to see that again. Okay. Is that why your hips are hurt from your victory lap? Yeah, well, Reed, if I'm going to be honest, my love for Jonathan India is is the only thing that's keeping me here right now. It's it's fighting the hip pain. It's fi My love for India is, is the thing healing my hip. Jonathan India has had a phenomenal game. Had an absolutely phenomenal game. Didn't have a great game at the plate. Some are calling it the Jonathan India game. People yeah, people were calling it that. I'm glad you said that, Reed. People are, people are calling it that. And this isn't a bit. Jonathan India can play second base. He can play it. You saw it last night. Did he have a great night at the plate? No. But that's because he. everybody was making fun of his defense, so we had to have a defensive game. How about that, he boys? He just had to prioritize. That's right. You know what he's really good at? Prioritizing, and he did that last night. But you made a statement during the game, so go ahead and run that one, Casey. Emergency press conference. I'm laying down because my back is in, in immense pain right now. I was told Jonathan India is not very good at defense, and we should trade him immediately. That's what I was told. But I'm looking at this game. I'm watching this Reds game, and I don't know what – what do I know? I'm just a I'm just a clueless baseball fan, but he seems to be pretty good at defense. I think we should keep this guy around for quite some time. Yeah. Emergency press conference. Go India. Go Reds. Yeah, I, I mean I couldn't have said it better myself, <laughs> because I did. Jonathan India had a great defensive game last night. He willed the Reds to a victory. That and Andrew Abbott, who was also very good. But no shtick. If I'm going to cut the shtick off right here. Jonathan, stick off. Stick off. Stick off. Jonathan India played a great game last night. He was a large. He was that. a large part in the victory defensively. Large part. You know, contrary to popular belief, I, I do root for the Reds. So I was I was glad to see Jonathan India playing well last night. 0 for four. Not the best. Not the best night at the plate, Elliot. Not going to help his numbers compared to the outfielders. That's our, <laughs> the outfielders. And again, that's, I mean, we're comparing him. I think Reed brought it up. He was 22nd out of 30 corner outfielders in the National League. But good thing he's a second baseman. So I'd love to see those numbers compared. He'd be up there. Yeah, I know he would be. He'd be up there. He'd be, he'd be top number, five. He'd be he'd, top five. Yeah. He'd probably be best in the, National, in the National League Central. The best thing about plays like that, 
He's going to convince another team that he can play defense. <laughs> that trade value is going through the roof, boys. So when that play happened, yeah. Elliot, and you're sitting there and writhing in pain, writhing. Either, either from your back or from your hip or whatever's hurting you right now, did you try and jump up and celebrate knowing that we were going to take this victory lap on the show? No, I got straight to Twitter and I, and I went to work. I, I did the only thing I knew how to do. I got on Twitter. Um, I, I physically couldn't jump up and down if I wanted to. Physically. I, I just couldn't do it. But, yeah, I, I mean – I, if Jonathan India can play like this the rest of the season, are people still going to call for his head? I'm just question. I'm just wondering. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You only have to look two feet to your right. Yeah. I know, but this guy's a shtick too. So I, I, I was looking for more Reed, maybe Casey. Wait, wait, wait. That guy's a shtick, and you were looking to Reed? Yeah. Well, Reed. You know, Reed's just a classy guy. I mean, that's just a guy. No, he's never done a shtick. No shtick today. No shtick for no Reed. No shtick today. Shticks off. Jonathan India plays perfect defense the rest of the season. You still calling for his head? No. There we go. There he plays go. perfect defense? No. Perfect. He's incredible. He'd be an incredibly valuable player. Yeah. I, I will say it. A lot it, of woulda, shoulda, wouldas. If the, Jonathan India fixes the main issue in his game, yes, that would be right. nice. Okay. That would be very happy. That's all I'm saying. Well, he, try, he and if, took and a if, step forward last night. And if Graham Ashcraft gets everybody out for the rest of the year, you should extend him. I agree. If Jonathan India plays every game the rest of the season like last night, I do not want him on my team because he would have zero hits. <laughs> I will say it was a bad night for the guys who say McLean is going to take his spot because how about McLean? That guy might be the best player of all time. And he's coming for India's spot. No shtick. Oh, yeah, no shtick. Oh, no yeah. shtick on Wednesdays. No shtick. That's Casey's guy. That's Casey, my guy. You have a, you have a statement guy. from the desk what, of Casey yeah, McCollister? my man. What does Mac think of Mac? What does Mac think of Matt? Oh, he's the best. Yeah. He's, he's just great. He no. is everything that you could want from a prospect starting off. Everything you want. Now, right. how can you be the big Matt McLean guy but also be a keep Jonathan India guy? Oh, I just believe in I believe in keeping leaders in, on the team. That's right. I think I think eventually, if he's truly the leader that everyone says he is, which we don't know, we're not in the we're not in the clubhouse. He'll move positions. If he wants to stay here and be the leader of this team, he'll move positions, and that'll be that. If he doesn't do that, then he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. So that, Case is writing him off. Yeah, basically. I mean, is there any? Does anyone have any faults with that? Like, does anyone have a problem with that? Well, the issue I is, mean, yeah, we the issue. That the issue is then, like what we talked about yesterday, that he loses his value if he goes to left field, because you could find a better hitting left fielder, or right fielder, or center fielder, or wherever you put him. He's hitting what two seventy right now? Yeah. Well, and then we're gonna get back to Elliot on he's that. He's slightly one. below average <laughs> bat in the outfield. Maybe average. See, Historically, like, so, second base and catcher are the the. The worst hitting positions. So if you get a good hitting player, one of those two positions, they're incredibly valuable. Think of it like playing fantasy football, and there's only a couple elite tight ends. Right. If you find an elite hitting catcher or second baseman, you put yourself in the top of the league. How many teams in the league have elite players all over the field? Uh, Braves. Is there a team? There's there a team that has elite positions all over the the field? If he was average, then that's fine, right? We're not looking for but elite you'd be talent paying on the whole team. You'd be paying him way See, more. Overall, than no, no, just I'm overall not, value say, of the player. I'm not saying that he earns second base money. I'm saying he has to move positions and get paid like an outfielder. Oh, so that's yeah, what sign I'm me saying. up. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, if he, he takes up. if he takes a pay cut, then sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. not saying. Sign me up. Uh, and if he wants to be the leader on the team, that's what he'll do. 
All in, all in on that. If I can turn off the stick for just one second, I was, turn it you off. Can. It, is, it is turned off you until can. you turn it back on. Okay. Stickless Wednesday. Can you talk without doing a shtick? My I whole don't think so. No, I can't. <laughs> I just try to entertain the people. Listen, I the thing about Jonathan India, I'm okay with trading Jonathan India. I honest to God I am. I'm genuinely okay with it. The thing that makes me upset is everybody rushing to get him out of here, like we have a proven commodity that's right behind him. We don't. Noelvi Marte has yet to prove it outside of double A. I'm sorry. Once he gets to triple A and he starts hitting, then we have another discussion. That's when we have that discussion, right? I think that's I a fair discussion. I don't necessarily disagree with that at all. I think that's a fair discussion. You look at Jose Barrero. He jumped up straight from double A. I know Andrew Abbott did it too. It's worked for him. It didn't work for Barrero. It's a 50-50 shot. I don't know what it's going to be for Noelvi Marte. Is he going to be able to hit 270 with a, with a 350 OBP, slugging 425? I don't know. I don't know if yeah. he's going to be able to do that when he yes. comes up. Yes, with no, with no evidence, though. That's he, what I'm he's saying. He's the ho- most hyped prospect in our entire organization until about six months ago when Ellie De La Cruz popped on. Yeah, okay, yes. All right. And, we'll, and once he proves it, I'm all for it. But right now, fans should not be trying to beg the front office to trade Jonathan India. That was my whole point. And last night, he took a massive step in my, in my direction. I don't, I don't think I could have been happier sitting there watching last night's game, knowing the amount, immense amount of pain you were in. So and much knowing pain. you got a little bit of relief from those plays in the outfield. So much pain. I, and, and by the way, our boy, our boy Evan put out a poll last night. It was like trade Jonathan India for like <laughs> two, pro, two great prospects. It had like 250 votes. Well, it, that was from May. Oh, was it? Because I tried to it was, vote it was no, okay. and I realized that the trade had expired. Yeah, 91% no on that one. So... Tough. It's a tough scene for my guy. I, I think Nick Kroll didn't vote on that. But listen, it's not all about India last night. This is a team game. Andrew Abbott pitched phenomenal. Oh, amazing. He is without he's a doubt amazing. now the, the new ace on the team. The big three is ever shifting on this team. It's now Luke Weaver, Andrew Abbott, and Hunter Green. That's our new big three. And, and Andrew Abbott had, what did he have, eight strikeouts, six innings? How many hits did he give up? Two? Two or three? You're tiptoeing into stickland. I'm not listening. Once you go into shtick land, it no can't shtick, come back. No shtick from me. The shtick faucet is at least dripping right now. But Andrew Abbott played great. McLean played great. TJ Friedel is a superstar. I, the, if this, and by the way, the bullpen, the, the guys, was Buck Farmer, Lucas Sims, uh, and Diaz last night. If we can do Abbott, Sims, Farmer, Diaz the whole way through with this lineup, we'll, we'll never lose Sims again. is... Sim, except, we'll, we'll, except save Lucas Sims. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll save, save this. We'll save it. Nick Kirby. Nick Kirby's on the show now. Uh, let's, I'm, I put the headset over here so that hopefully these guys can hear, because I think, uh, I think we're going to try and continue a little bit of the discussion from yesterday with Nick, uh, and, and see what we can do here to maybe talk through some things. Nick, first off, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thanks for having me, Paul and gentlemen. So I got, uh, what, Cody? Cole. Cole? And Zach. Cole and Zach. They're both sitting over here to my left. Cole, would you like to say hi to Nick? Hi, Nick. I'm a big fan of your work. I'm just a really big fan of your work, and uh, I think the Reds should keep Jonathan India. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Cole. Thank you so much for uh, <laughs> Nick, did you, Nick, me with your Nick, Nick, did you know that was me? So the, the first one, about halfway through, I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's going on here? And the, <laughs> the second one I knew instantly. So, yeah. Okay. Did any of them make you laugh, Nick? Did you feel happy when I called? I felt very happy. Very fulfilled. (laughs) (laughs) 
Nick, for people that may have not watched Chatterbox Reds or listened to Chatterbox Reds yet today, let's just, before we get into the nitty-gritty of everything that we, that we want to talk about, let's just kind of get your overall thoughts on the Reds uh, from last night, the win, how Andrew Abbott pitched, snapping a three-game losing streak, just where they are last night compared to the uh, three days before. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how you come off that 12-game win streak the, the one thing that you really needed was to avoid any sort of losing streak. And the Reds have lost three in a row, not the end of the world. You had kind of expected at, at some point, you know, them to come back down to water level. Um, so it was, it was big to get that win last night. Andrew Abbott was just incredible. I mean, this guy is the ace of the Reds rotation right now. And I, I said it last night. I, I think you can make case Andrew Abbott's the Reds' best starter right now, even if everyone was healthy. And that's just – so incredible for a guy. I think he only made his fifth start last night, um, but he's just jumped right in, been an absolute savior for a rotation that was desperate for it. Um, and then uh, Matt McClain. I mean, Matt McClain just completely carried the offense, and then TJ Friedel had that big um, insurance home run late, but just, just a really nice win for the Reds and a, a really long day. And uh, one win away from splitting six games against the Braves and the Orioles, uh, that would be a pretty big accomplishment, I think, for this team. Nick, what are your thoughts on how the batting order, the, the top of the batting order is set right now? You're looking at Jonathan India, who obviously had more success in the leadoff spot than he's had now sliding down into the three spot. But you have a bunch of guys, you know, you look at TJ Friedel in the leadoff spot and some of these other guys that have been shifted around as players have come back, Joey Votto uh, and the rest, guys gotten called up, Ellie, everybody else as this order shifts around. Uh, where do you think, India, as it sits right now, you know, putting him down in that three spot as opposed to leading off with Friedel leading off. Do you have any any thought on that? I mean, I think the computer would probably tell you to bat Jonathan India lower in the lineup right now. Um, but as I've said many times, I don't think lineups really matter all that much. Anyone that's done any substantial studies on this would tell you that, that lineups have very little to do with the, the win-loss results on a day-to-day -day basis. So... With that in mind, if if uh, you know David Bell's kind of looking at this from a psychology standpoint, and he thinks that hey, I moved Jonathan India to the three spot because I thought that was best. I don't really want to move him again because I, I want to try to help build some confidence with him because he is an important part of our team right now. Then it, it doesn't matter as much. But I, I sure would I like to see Spencer Steer higher up in the lineup. Yeah, but it just it doesn't really move the needle all that much. So if there's other factors in terms of, you know, how you think you might be able to get the most out of certain guys, then I, I think that's fine. And that I think is what a good manager does is they maximize each player's best value. And, and there's very different ways you can go about how you get to that. And I think a good manager has to really weigh all those factors and, and make the best educated decisions. How do you think David Bell is handling this, everything going on right now? I mean, because for as much criticism as he took over the last year and a half and, well, he didn't have the team, well, now he has some guys and you're, you're trying to make a run, you're at the top of the division right now. What, how, how has the, the court of public opinion wavered, if at all, on David Bell? Well, the court of public opinion's definitely changed. I mean – uh, the first uh, about 30 shows we did, half the comments were Fire David Bell. And I haven't seen a Fire David Bell comment in a while, so you guys will have to get back on that. Um, it, it's really been been wavering in the chats. But no, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, I think he's done a great job. I, I wasn't against David Bell going into the year. But, you, I mean, you look at – it feels like every 
the most important thing I think David Bell's done is every single young player that's come up has looked comfortable, has looked like they belonged. And sure, a lot of that is the Reds minor league development and preparing these guys for this point. But David Bell has to be a large part of that when they get here. And that more than anything, more more so than even the Reds overachieving or the Reds maybe being able to win despite um, a, pitching, a starting pitching rotation that is absolutely pieced together right now, it, it's how comfortable these young players look that I think is his best job and, and his best quality so far this season. All right. Elliot, are you, are you ready to do this? Yeah, sorry. Dealing with a lot of pain. What what's up? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just gonna pitch you. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch this over to you and ask let you ask uh, let you ask Nick if he has any thoughts on, on last night's defensive performance at second base. Yeah, Nick. Nick, longtime fan of your work here. I, I just wanted to ask you, so we have a second baseman named Jonathan. I think that's his name, maybe Joseph. I think it's Jonathan though. He no played sticks. He no sticks, sorry. He played a great game last night, Nick, defensively. I think he took a, a great leap forward, literally, when he was diving into shallow right field for a ball. Um, what were your thoughts on his defensive, on his defensive uh, plays yesterday? Zebra, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick back to you first. I want to know, who is your least favorite Red of all time? Least favorite Red of all time. It's a tie between two, Nick. It's Kevin Gregg is one. Kevin Gregg is one. J.J. Hoover is the second. Okay, so if Kevin Gregg went out and threw two shutout innings and struck out all six batters, would you declare him the best reliever in Reds history? Hmm. Hmm. No, I wouldn't. Okay. It's tough. Kirby, are you saying that Jonathan India is your least favorite Red of all time? That's what I got. Because that's what I'm saying. Which is a pretty strong statement for a rookie of the year. <laughs> well, I got it back. That was good. That was well played, Paul. Well played. You really saved Zebra because I, I really got it. <laughs> I, I was on him, and then you, man, you bailed him out. You guys stick together there in, in Hamilton, Ohio. Uh, Damn right. No, I, I, look, he had a good game last night, but it's been the worst defensive second baseman by any metrics since 2021. So I tend to value long samples of defensive than, than one game, but I'm glad that he played well. And I, I will say, He's looked better at second base this year, for whatever that's worth. Okay. This is a question that we talked about for a long time. So, to peel back the onion on yesterday's day in the office at Chatterbox Sports, if you listened to Off the Bench yesterday, that discussion carried until probably 3.30 or 4 o'clock. We went to lunch. We took a little break at lunch, took a little hiatus, had ourselves a nice calzone. Yeah. Came back. And it continued for the rest of the afternoon to the point where I tried at one point to get out my phone and take a video so that we could put it in the Discord or put it on Twitter to continue the conversation. It was, uh, it was a very animated afternoon here at Chatterbox Sports, <laughs> defending or not defending Jonathan India. And at one point, the question was thrown around, how much does defense really matter at the major league level? And of pitching, defense, and hitting, you could probably make a pretty strong argument that defense is the least valuable of the three and the easiest to cover up but it doesn't seem like that's the case here in the case of Jonathan India when you have somebody like Matt McClain and the rest Marte these guys that can fill in the infield and then he just finds himself out of a spot do you agree or not agree with that sentiment I mean I think defense is the least 
valuable of those three, but I think defense still matters quite a bit. I think the 2021 Reds are the best example. I think that team was absolutely crushed just as much by their defense as they were with their bullpen at times. Um, look at the Cardinals. Every single year outside of this this weird year, which I still wouldn't give up on them, making some sort of crazy Cardinal devil magic run, they have good defensive teams every single year. And that stuff adds up. It might not add up on a, on a day-to-day basis, but over the course of 162 games, it adds up a lot. Now, the question, I think the question gets um, misread here. I, I, could the Reds survive with Jonathan India's defense? Yeah, absolutely. That's, I don't think that's even a question. I mean, at second base, I don't think it's necessarily the end of the world. But the problem, or not, it's not really a problem, it's a great thing to have, is how do, the, how do you put the best team on the field? And I'm sorry, I just don't see it with Noel V. Marte coming up. I just don't see how Jonathan Eddie at second base is the Reds' best team, best lineup. And then you say, well, where do you put Jonathan Eddie? And then you move him to a corner outfield spot. And I'm sorry, but he just doesn't hit well enough to be a corner outfielder or at least doesn't hit well enough that it's not worth trading him as a second baseman would be my opinion. Now, granted, the big thing here is what's, Char- what's Jonathan Eddie's trade value? None of us know that answer. So if his trade value is not that high – then you don't trade him because it, it takes two to, to tango here. You have to find another general manager that's willing to give you something back of significance. And then one more point on this, and I will say for those who want to trade Jonathan to India, I think you should be prepared that a return for Jonathan India is going to be lower-level prospects. It's not going to be major league-ready prospects. There's not going to be a major league baseball team that is going to trade someone that's close to major league-ready for Jonathan India. Because if you're trading for Jonathan India, it is a win-now move. Because Jonathan India only has a couple years left of control. You know he's, he's not a great defensive second baseman. So it's a move that right now helps you win a World Series would be your goal in 2023. So if you're, the, if you're a fan that wants to trade Jonathan India, you better be prepared to get a, a Chase Petty level return. And I'm not against that, but I know a lot of other people would be. Jonathan India and CES for Shane Bieber. No, no chance. No, the Reds should not be trading CES for a year and a half of a pitcher. I don't think the Reds should be trading anyone of value for a year and a half of a pitcher. Uh, I think that is uh, incredibly short-sighted. I, I, you know, one point that I haven't brought up on any of our shows that I, I, bet I started thinking about late last night, the thing I think everyone's missing here, and I've missed too, what are the Brewers going to do at the trade deadline? What if the Brewers go all in at the trade deadline? That Doesn't that change the trajectory here? Because the Brewers are in a much different spot than the Reds. They have Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Devin Williams all towards the end of their contracts. And the Brewers have not been a team that signed a lot of long-term contracts. And the one that they did, Christian Yelich, hasn't really turned out all that well for them. So that's another, another kind of wrinkle in this is if the Brewers decide, hey, we're going to go all in on this then I think that maybe makes the Reds a little more hesitant, right? So that's just something to play. But the Brewers could also completely fall out of the race, and they could be complete sellers of the trade deadline, and the NL Central could 100% fall in the Reds' lap. So there's just going to be a lot of of things that we have to watch over the next three or four weeks before really any of these teams know where they are, because I think they're all trying to figure out where they are. Okay, so then let me ask you this. 
of the big prospects that are either with the Reds right now, or you could throw in Connor Phillips and, and Marte. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody I'm forgetting at, at AAA, but between I'll call it Phillips and Marte, and then the guys that are already up at at the major league level. Oh, well, and CES, but I just mentioned him. Of the of those guys, those three guys in AAA, and then De La Cruz, McLean, Steer, Abbott. Of those guys, is any one of them open to being traded in your mind? Are any of those guys trade bait for the right return at the deadline? It'd have to be the absolute right return. I'd have to be getting a pitcher that had maybe just broke into the major leagues. Um, Bobby Miller of the Dodgers. I don't think there's any way the Dodgers will, will be looking to trade him, but he's a guy that had just broken into the major leagues. He still has six years of control. If I get that player for a package that included a guy like CES, yeah, I might consider that. But for a guy that for for even even a guy like I think Dylan Cease has um, two and a half years. Nope, not doing that. That that these are the kind of trades that that can can uh, stunt this incredible future that the Reds have built by by rushing into to trying to um, um, compete now. I think overall you have to stay the course. But you can also try to improve this team at the same time and this future. But you'd have to have a guy that has a lot of control, not even a tiny bit of control. I thought you made a great point in the chat yesterday where we were talking about how some of these teams have built things up and we were talking about India and, and having the rookie of the year and whether you trade the rookie of the year for somebody that's unproven at the minor league level. Tom's talked about that a lot where, you know, you have somebody at the major league level and the prospects don't always pan out. And do you risk going down to AAA for your future that you, you are trusting will happen, but you don't know for sure will happen versus a product at the major league level that has proven himself to at least be a steady hand out there, not the best defensively and certainly not a Hall of Famer at the plate, but somebody that is more than serviceable. But you were talking about how you look at the Rays and the Guardians. I thought this was a really good point because it's something that you realize, but maybe you don't think about where they develop their prospects. They have a really good run for a certain amount of years. They trade them away. They somewhat restart, but they're not really restarting. They're not totally selling off because their pipelines are always so good that they're always able to develop guys, get them to the major league level, and then they contribute at the major league level pretty much right away. When you look at the payroll of the last 22-21 World Series champions, the only team that is outside of the top 14 in payroll to win a World Series is the Marlins. In 2003, they were 25th. No team since then, even the Royals in 2015, which like Reed has talked about a lot, was kind of the, 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 uh, the shining light of this model. They were 12th. So when you want to win, you spend the money to win. And I think in the Reds' case, probably it means going out and getting some sort of a major league talent, whether that's at the front end of the starting rotation, whatever it might be. But how does a team like the Reds that you would consider a, a smaller market team, when you look at those numbers and even the Royals, which is your shining light being 12th, how do you, how do you go and, and convince yourself that yes the Guardians got to the World Series yes the Rays got to have been to multiple World Series in that time frame haven't won one but they've been there and baseball all you got to do is get in how how do you how do you look at this Nick and say you just got to 
trusted development versus at some point you just got to go spend a lot of money, which will the Castellinis do that yet to be determined? Well, two things here. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but the Reds 2020 payroll was in the top 15. So it was right at that threshold that you're talking about. I think yeah. they could get at least close to there. Now, I know the, the payrolls have drastically gone up since then, so maybe the Reds don't get like that high. But I, I don't know. I kind of like, what are we talking about here? I mean, the Guardians were one win away from winning the World Series. I mean, the Reds haven't won a playoff game at Great American Ballpark. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a, it's a good model. And in and, and the case of the Rays, they haven't even spent anywhere close to what the Reds have spent when they when the Reds have been fully competing and investing. So it's a totally if you're using that model, but you're also spending twice as much as a team like Tampa, then I think that makes that model maybe even more effective as long as you are spending wisely. Because you can you could spend all the money in the world, but if you're just throwing out bad contracts, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Look at the New York Mets, look at the San Diego Padres. They're spending boatloads of money, it's not doing them a thing. And, and some of it's bad luck for sure, but some of it is they didn't draft and develop enough players around that money that they spent. Um, the Dodgers are the best example of a team that's done both. And I know they've had some, some bad luck in the playoffs or haven't performed in the playoffs or whatever you want to call it, but they have been stingy with their prospects. So they have all these players that are coming up that are cheap. So they have half the roster is on league minimum salaries, and then they fill that with, players on the the max salaries and man when you combine that two together that's what the reds are competing against elliot yeah and just to touch off that you know the reds quarter is kind of divided right now i'd say there's a lot of the uh the sell the team bobs people out there i'm kind of on that kind of on that spectrum was you how would you grade the castellini wait your mic your mic your mic you gotta mike mike we're good we're good we're back yeah are we back Nick, if you look at the past 20 years or so with the Castellinis owning this team, the Cincinnati Reds are the only team since 2000 to not advance in the postseason, right? I would say attendance has not been great for the Cincinnati Reds. Are the, has the Reds' failure the past 20-something years, has that been a result of the front office, or would you say that's bad luck? Uh, I would say mostly the decisions that they made. And I think that you can't just say it's all front office or all ownership. I think it's been a combination of both. Um, yeah, the, the Reds have bad luck in 2012, sure. But the issue is the Reds haven't had enough opportunities in the playoffs. I mean, we've only been to the playoffs four times and however long or, or whatever it is. It, it hasn't been enough. You have to get more chances at getting into the playoffs. I think ownership... In Cincinnati, I do think it gets overblown. I think if you compare what the Reds have done spending-wise over the last over the Castellini era compared to other small markets, it's it's not bad. They've, they've outspent cities like Pittsburgh quite a bit. Now, does that make them great? No. Does that make them heroes? No. Should we throw a parade for them? No. I mean, they're they're just kind of doing what they're supposed to do. I think the biggest issue that the Reds have had in the Castellini ownership is that. The ownership got in the way so much. Um, you you look back at the first rebuild. They waited so long to trade Johnny Cueto. They waited so long to trade Todd Frazier. They waited so long to trade Shea Bruce. They never were willing to trade Billy Hamilton. The list goes on and on and on. They weren't willing to trade fan favorites. 
And that's what hurt this team, I think, more than anything. And that's what I think ownership's criticism should be more so than spending. Um, now, should they spend more? Sure. But should every team in baseball spend more? Almost every team? Absolutely sure. Um, there's a lot of teams that I think get away with being like the 10th best spender that the revenue that they come, have coming in is, is ridiculous compared to the rest of, uh, of the league. And they're not, they're not putting it back in their product. But what makes it feel different this time is that it seems like ownership has legitimately, other than saying a bunch of stupid stuff, has actually, when it's come down to it, has stepped back and let Nick Kroll do his job. And I think it's no more evidence than last year at the trade deadline. I've never seen vibes around the Cincinnati Reds worse than it was last year. And they still traded Luis Castillo. They still traded Tyler Malley. They stayed the course on that. And uh, I hope that sticks up. I hope that Nick Crawl's the one making the decisions. Because if Nick Crawl's making the decisions, I have full faith that he, he'll, get, he'll get it done. And that's, and that's one thing I kind of wanted to add on, too. Nick Crawl has done a great job. And, you know, you, you, you hate to compare it to the Bengals. I know people don't like to do that. But the Bengals were a horrible organization before, right, right around Joe Burrow, right, right before Blackburn stepped in. Would you, what, what would Nick Crawl have to do to lose your trust at this point? Because Nick Crawl has done a phenomenal job. Like, it, it, I, I, like it's starting to feel like the Bengals of right around Burrow, Burrow range, where the, where the, the culture of this franchise is starting to change. What would Nick Crawl have to do at this point to just lose your faith? It's funny because it'd probably be what people would love. It would be going out and blowing up this plan to try to win right now. I think that would make me lose his trust. If he went out and traded uh, a ton of really good prospects for a rental, that would make me lose his trust. Now, the only caveat to that is they do know these players better than certainly I do. So if you're evaluating some of these prospects that are maybe ranked higher and you do see one that you go, yeah, you know what? He's ranked really high. We think a lot of teams think he's really good but we don't think he's going to do a damn thing in the major leagues, then maybe, yeah, that, that player becomes expendable. But you can't miss on that. That's where the Reds can't miss, where other teams have this higher margin of error. Like, the Dodgers traded Jordan Alvarez. Could you imagine if the Reds traded Jordan Alvarez away? That would be um, brutal. So the Reds can't afford to do that. The Dodgers can do that and still survive because, you know, they have a $250 million payroll. You made the point about how the, the Reds really don't have a whole lot of margin for error. I was talking to these guys before before the show started today. Jamison Talion, $80 million is sucked and doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. It doesn't bother me as a Cubs fan because I know it's just kind of a drop in the bucket and, and that's it's not going to deter the, the Cubs too, too heavily going forward. That kind of move for the Reds is detrimental. And I love that signing for the Cubs. Yeah. When it happened, I thought, hey, that's a great signing. That's, that's not that much money. You're not committing $200, $300 million to a pitcher, something that I am cannot be more against ever doing, especially in the Reds' case. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's exactly the, the, the point there, Reed. But that's where the Reds can catch the Cubs. The Reds aren't going to outspend them. It, it, if the Reds decided tomorrow we're going to be a $200 million spender. Do you think the Cubs are just going to be like, yep, we'll stay right where we're at? No, they're going to spend more than that, right? Because their resources go farther than the Reds. So the Reds have to be smarter than the Cubs. They have to be more patient than the Cubs. Uh, they, they have to have better, cheap, young talent, as maybe callous as that sounds. That's the, the honest truth, to be able to compete with a team like the Cubs that just has a lot more resources. Nick, if you were the Brewers... 
and in this situation right now, if you were the GM of the Brewers, what do you? Because all of these, all these central teams, forget the Pirates, forget the Pirates. Pirates are irrelevant. They don't matter. It do, they don't count. It they are, they are irrelevant to this situation. If you're the Brewers or the Cardinals or the Cubs or the Reds, but I'm going to ask you the Brewers, what are you doing? Are you going for it? Are you sitting on your hands? Are you trading some people away? What are you doing? They're in a really, really difficult spot. I pulled up their uh, their long-term salary and what guys are under contract. Woodruff, Burns, Adamas are all free agents. That's probably their three best players, I would assume. They're all free agents after next season. But just because they're free agents after next season, in 2024, those guys are all going to get paid a lot of money in their final year of arbitration. And the Brewers don't spend all that much. I think they they get this wrap that they do. But the Reds have outspent them. I think I think I last time I checked, the Reds had outspent them like 13 out of the last 15 years. Um, so they're not a team that spends a lot either. So they're in a, they're in a very weird spot where if I'm I'm serious, if the Brewers maybe fell three games behind the Reds, I could see them completely blowing it up. And <laughs> the Reds are in this spot where. You know, there's the Cubs still hanging around, but the division could completely just follow the Reds' lap, which is just completely insane to say. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it, it could. Um, but the Brewers could also get hot over this next month, maybe have a two- or three-game lead on the Reds and say, hey, this is our last chance with these guys. We're probably going to be looking at maybe moving some of these guys in the offseason because we know we can't afford all of these guys to fit our payroll um, and we need to trade some of these guys to, to help build our farm system, which isn't as good as the Reds or even as good as the Cubs right now. So it's a very interesting spot. I can see the Brewers completely going all in, or I can see the Brewers completely blowing up at the trade deadline. That's the level of variance I think we're talking about here and, and what makes this next uh, uh, month the most fascinating. and they make the postseason. And I don't know if that's just the, the Yadier Molina effect. I don't know what it is, but it seems Mike. like a lot of Reds fans are just writing off St. Louis like they've never done this before. I, I, I predict a strong surge for the division by St. Louis at some point in the back half. Yeah, Cardinals devil magic is real. There's no debate about it. It's real. I've seen it firsthand. Um, I mean, those guys still have a 14% playoff odds right now. I saw that team make the playoffs with 1.9 um, late in September out of nowhere. So I, I wouldn't put it past them. They do have a talented team, but it'll be interesting to see what, what does that team do at the trade deadline. Um, it would be smart for them if they're out of it to probably blow it up a little bit too. So it, it, it's just this weird division where it might be a game of chicken at the trade deadline. Am I off on that? Like, could, could these teams all be kind of like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, and and kind of be having to try to figure out what the other teams are doing. I bet they're like, maybe they have some some agents in, in these in these uh, in these cities trying to figure out. Hey, do you know what the the Brewers are going to do at this trade <laughs> deadline? I mean, it's wild. Some Bill Belichick tampering, Nick? Or is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I think Re I think Reed's Cubs. I think they've got some guys tampering with the Reds. No question. No question about no it. No question. They all live in they all live in Mason. You know that, right, Nick? Oh yeah. Yeah. Mason that's, that's where they're, that's where they're all located. Reed. 
I don't punch down on Mason or punch up, I guess, in this case. <laughs> so I don't say anything about Mason. It, it's, you know, the nightmare scenario going forward is that uh, the Brewers decide to blow it up because they have depreciating assets that they're probably not going to be able to bring back on a long-term deal. So they blow it up because they're that's what they do, right? And the Reds don't overcome their starting pitching woes before the, the arms fully come back and, and are healthy, and they kind of play themselves out. And then the Cubs just cub it up, and then all, all of a sudden the St. Louis Cardinals are in first place once again, win the NL Central, and then make it all the way to the World Series, and you're just like, God, God might not be real. Cardinals win the division with 78 wins. I don't know if that's possible, um, but but since they don't since you don't play as many division games, it might it could legitimately be possible. The winner of the AL Central might have a losing record this year. That's for sure. All right, two last questions for you, Nick, because I didn't even realize what time it was. We've been just r- r- firing from the hip here for the last half hour. So two quick questions. One of them I've gotten this question a, a million times here in the chat, so I'm going to ask it to you. Uh, Joey Votto, any chance they pick it up for next year, minimum? No chance. Yeah. I mean, that's it's just twenty-five million dollars is a lot of money. I mean, I think he's it's a, what an eight million dollar buyout, so basically it's uh, seventeen million or eighteen million um, is the difference. I, I, it's it's not happening. Okay. Uh, last question: The Reds right now are a half game up in the NL Central. It's June twenty-eighth. Before the season, you and I are texting going, at, at what point are we going to still be talking about the Reds on off the bench? And here we are on June 28th, first place in the NL Central, a couple of weeks away from the All-Star break. Things are looking up. But then all of a sudden, Hunter Green gets hurt. Nick Lodolo's hurt. It's Dream Weaver night out there in Baltimore. Dream Weaver, Dream Weaver Nick. They don't lose on Dream Weaver night, Nick. They you don't. know this. They don't. They don't lose on Dream Weaver night. It's my favorite night of the week. Nick, how no sticks. How realistic for people that need to maybe temper their expectations or inflate their expectations, how realistic is it right now for the Reds to expect with the rotation that they have? And let's assume that the Lodolo and Green injuries linger longer than we're maybe even being told. Because initially we thought Lodolo would already be maybe – three starts back into the rotation by now and he's barely even putting any any weight on his injury and he's you know now looking at the beginning of August who knows if that drifts into late August same with Hunter Green where he thought oh they're just throwing him on the DL real quick now here he is it's going to be August how realistic is this season for the Reds in when you say you know stay the course don't get overextended on trades don't sell everything for this season and be you know going for a World Series in a year where you're a half game up in a god-awful NL Central. Where should the where should the fans' expectations be right now? I mean, you probably should look at the, the playoff projections and it says 18% for the Reds. You should probably think that's maybe realistic. Maybe we'll, we'll be optimistic. We'll say it's 25. But, I mean, I think that's probably where it's at. But I, I honestly think it's probably going to come down to as much as anything – how do the Brewers do? Um, because the Brewers have the capability of of outperforming the Reds just because they have that 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 proven front and starting pitching. Now, Green and Lodolo, it could almost be a blessing in disguise if the Reds are able to hang around. Because I think one thing no one's talking about is these guys are going to run out of innings at some point. Andrew Abbott is probably is not going to pitch all year. They're going to shut him down before the end of the season. If Connor Phillips comes up, 
he would be shut down before the end of the season. So honestly, if, and it's a, it's a big, if I think at this point, if Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo come back and they come back healthy, they now have a chance to actually probably pitch into the full year. And if somehow you're able to sneak into the playoffs, they could actually pitch in the playoffs where if they had started the year, been healthy all year, they probably would have hit an innings cap before he even got to the playoffs. So it's kind of an interesting way to look at it. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on the Reds winning the NL Central, but I think it's possible as well. Nick, you're the man. You basically just did Chatterbox Reds last night at around midnight, and then you did it again with us here this morning. So you know it. I appreciate it. We all love you here. And uh, I want to say congratulations on Chatterbox Reds because uh, it's just phenomenal what you guys have been doing. I check in on the on the podcast charts pretty much every day, and I see what you guys are doing when I go in to publish Tom's show every afternoon and I scroll through all of our shows and I see the stats and it's just one day after another after another scrolling up and I know everybody in the chat appreciates listening too so congrats to you and Trace on the show it's been a, a phenomenal listen and a lot of success well everyone's just been so great supporting the show and sharing it and helping us grow it and Paul you were the one guy that that really made me think I gotta jump on Chatterbox Sports I gotta be on the same I got the <laughs> same platform as Paul Fritschner because that that that's the bar so oh, yeah. shout out to you. Well, now where's that bar? If, that, if I'm the bar, where's the bar? Yeah, speaking of bar, my lumbar is about to break. <laughs> Just about to shatter. Nick, Nick, I love you. I love Chatterbox Reds. Thank you for doing what you do, pal. You also worked three hours during a rain delay. I think you worked nine hours yesterday. So love you, Nick. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Go, go Reds. Go Reds. Jacob, any thoughts? You didn't. You didn't uh, ask a question or say anything there, and I'm not—I wasn't expecting you to. But do you have any thoughts no, to we, digest from that? I thought we covered it well. I, I know Nick agrees with me on a lot of the uh, following the plan, Jonathan India trade questions. So I didn't—I kind of wanted to leave that alone from my perspective. Let Elliot take that. But yeah, no, I thought it was good. Yeah, guy, guy was Jake was pretty silent after last night's Jonathan India's performance. Wouldn't you say, Paul? This. This myth silent. that I'm, again, I'm not against I'm not, the Reds. I'm Jonathan not put, India. I'm not putting on a shtick, but it, Jonathan India playing well increases his trade value. It's good for me. Okay, all right. I'm just saying it's just you're just awful quiet today. I'm and I'm dealing with pain that you can't even fathom, and you're just sitting over there like Alabama just won that's two hundredth <laughs> national championship. I don't know. All right, we have it is Dreamweaver night, which is, as you said, maybe the best night of the week. Best night of the week. Maybe There's the best. Uh, it's 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 the best night, it's the best night of the week by far. He will give. I, I'm gonna give my prediction. Can I give my prediction? Real quick no, no, no. Hold on. Okay. Because sorry. because it's it's not 11 o'clock yet, so we still have an hour left on off the bench. Okay. So we got plenty of time to do okay. to do Dreamweaver night. What we're gonna do now, Casey, is the Immaculate Grid. All right, firing it up. Here okay. is the Immaculate Grid. And again, if anybody is is uh, first time watching the show, you get one guest per each square, and or you know you get. You get nine guesses for this. If you get one wrong, the squares aren't filled out. So it goes. I will make sure this time to wait for confirmation. That All right. Way I don't hit uh, the same. What, what, what was the guy's Let's name? get the Padres and the Orioles out of the way. Manny Machado. There we go. What was it? Manny Machado. Uh, Manny. Twins, 500 home runs. David Ortiz. Thought you were going to say the logo. Nah. Harmon Killebrew. Yeah, twins, twins, five hundred home runs. So bottom, yep, yep. David Ortiz works, big poppy. I'll go ahead and throw Moneyball out there. Uh, Miguel Tejada for the Orioles Athletics. 
Oh, yeah, there we go. What's his name again? Miguel? Uh, Tejada. T-E... Well, did you spell Miguel right? U-E-L. Tejada. Orioles. Right, that guy right there. Orioles, 500 home runs. Sammy Sosa? Yeah, he hit 609. That works. <laughs> Love that. I got you, Reed. I would have said Frank Robinson, but I'm glad that you're thinking a, a cubby, not a red. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and Sosa played the game the right way. You guys want to get a yeah, low right. percentage? You guys want to get a low percentage? Three thousand hit, five hundred home run. Oh yeah, yes. get some yeah. low yeah. percentage. Go Eddie Murray. Oh, there we go. Who is that? M U R R. Do a quick little baseball reference on that. Ninety-seven. Yep, that's Eddie yep. Murray. Two percenter. Look at that. I, I might be able to beat two percent. I've got I've gotten A's Twins and I've gotten A's three thousand hits. A's 3,000 hits should have been the first square we did. Yeah, it's Ricky, it's Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson. The most important person born on December 25th. Ricky Henderson. <laughs> for, for what? what? Which one? A's, I didn't say A's that. 3,000 hits. All right. And what's his name? I don't Ricky want that Henderson. hex on me. Ricky spelled with an E-Y, Casey. There he is. There he is. Padres twins. Gary mm. Sanchez. That's a good one. That's a good one. El Nino. The Kraken. The Kraken. Um, we're going to do Tony. the easiest one for Tony, the Padres yeah. 3,000 hits. Tony. Yeah. Is uh, he the only 3,000 hit guy for the, he has to be, he I mean, he's the only be. career. I'm not saying that there's someone else that there's certainly Passed another 3,000. Did hit. Will Venables get it? No, go ahead and put a uh, Tony. <laughs> What's the hate on Will Venables? Well, I'm just asking. That just came out of nowhere. Will doesn't deserve that. I remember those bad Padres teams. Who was the other guy they had? I'm trying to remember that outfielder they had. W-Y, my bad. Do you remember the 2012 Padres? I'm trying to remember the outfielder. I'll never remember. We can finish this bad boy with the Reds legend. Yep. Sonny Gray. Yep. Sonny Gray. We could have done a – no, I don't think he played for the Twins. I was going to say Sonny. Sonny. S-O-N-N-Y. Right there. Sonny Gray. Look at, Immaculate. Immaculate. Look at us. Immaculate. Immaculate. I wish Chris, I wish Chris DeNorfio would have played for the Twins. That Chris way we could have got a real Reds legend. Because <laughs> he definitely played for the A's. That was four minutes. Good job, everybody. It's good stuff. Thanks. That's good stuff. Wow. There is one Reds thing that I wanted to touch on that we didn't really touch on. We have can, we, can, can, can we hit the, the ads? Are we at the, oh, yeah. We have to, Ham and Eggers. Before, well, wait, well, no, no. Let's, before we go into the hour break. Can the Ham and Eggers take it at like 11.20? Yeah. Okay. Because that'll be when. schedule these? We get that'll, 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 be when, that that'll be when this hits. Okay. So let the Ham and Eggers take it, it about 11.20. That's about when it rolls in every day. Go ahead. The one thing I wanted to say is every game, Alexis Diaz comes in and converts a save, and we just go, oh, Alexis Diaz, move on. Let's actually talk about Alexis Diaz and what he's doing this year for a second. His batting average against is in the 120s. Like he's converted 27 saves in a row. He, he's unbelievable, and it seems like we're just taking him for granted at this point. It's What's a, his entrance music? It's great. I don't know what song it is. But is it, it Hispanic? Is or is it something yeah. like, okay. Edwin, Ed, his brother is, if you don't know, his brother is Edwin Diaz, and he comes out to Timmy Trumpets, and the, and the whole uh, city field just goes nuts to the trumpets. And I believe Edwin gave him this song. Edwin uh, bestowed Correct. this song upon him. Yep. And I, lo I love how they do it. Uh, great American, like, flashes all the lights. They flicker the lights. 
It's it's pretty electric, if I'm going to be honest. It's great. You know exactly when he's coming in. I don't think – and, again, this this whole team is, is has been a, just a new experience for me. There hasn't been a closer like this. Maybe Francisco Cordero. Coco. Where where he comes in and I know I'm where I know we're okay. I just know I whenever whenever More than Rossio? Huh? I mean a Diaz is better than Rossio, but Rossio was pretty solid. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm us. I I, 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 <laughs> I think Edwin Diaz, I mean how many saves in a row is he on Alexis. right now? Alexis, sorry, I can say twenty two this year, twenty seven in a row. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty incredible. I just got a text from a, a close friend of mine that says, Brother Casey does not know any of these players, LOL. <laughs> I said, no, he does not. No, no he I does do not. not. We love him for that. We're teaching him baseball in year one here. He's wearing the Viking helmet. I don't know what else you can ask from Casey. Casey, Casey is Casey has come here supporting the I'm Reds. In the, I'm, in, I'm not in my element. If we were talking football, oh, I could probably get you a bunch of five percenters there. Yeah, you'd tell us Geno Smith's a top three quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I said he's top ten, but – Casey's on my Casey. Are you on my side with the Jonathan India stuff or no? I am. You I'm are. A, I'm a I'm a big leader of the locker room guy. But he's a, I, he's I, a leader of men. I think yeah. so. Reed touched on that yesterday. I think we were off air. Leader of men. <laughs> <laughs> but that stuff matters, man. I know people don't like to say it, and and you can't calculate it when it comes to a trade. But you can't say the locker room atmosphere right now doesn't matter for the I Reds. Think it's it, not helping the Reds win games. I think it matters for this team. I'm not saying the locker I've never said the locker room atmosphere doesn't matter. I just think Jonathan India's role in it all is being greatly overstated. I've never been in a major league clubhouse. I have no idea well, how you well, that's not true. Well, <laughs> Gino Suarez. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think you have. But uh I've never obviously I've I have no idea how you quantify leadership qualities as a player. You know, the, oftentimes you talk about a, a catcher being signed to, you know, just to work with the pitching or, or a veteran pitcher to oversee the younger pitchers coming up. I have no idea how you quantify the quote-unquote captain, the quote-unquote leader of a team. But it has become abundantly clear in, in Major League Baseball over the past decade or so that it is not that quantifiable and teams don't care that much. They'll ship a guy off. In a heartbeat, unless they're actively competing, like unless they are actively making the postseason every single year, like a la, they kept David Wright around well beyond when David Wright needed to play for the Mets. Now, granted, David Wright was a borderline Hall of Fame player for the first decade of his career before that, but it's yeah. just so hard to quantify. I, I, that is one point where you lose me on all that in, in just in sports in general. I think a good clubhouse atmosphere matters. I think having a locker room that believes that they can win matters. I, I've been around, you know, it's not baseball, but I've been around college basketball and, and intimately familiar with how those locker rooms operate and knowing what's a good locker room and a bad locker room. And you hear stories about bad locker rooms versus what the atmosphere is like when teams are winning. Guys are all on the same page. Guys want to play together. Guys look forward to playing together. They're friends. They're compatible. But having one singular person be a leader outside of performance on the field, a la Joe Burrow or whatever, that's where you lose me a little bit because I don't think in professional sports it matters that much. I think the on the whole, on the macro level, I think having a good clubhouse matters. But that, to me, comes more from David Bell 
than it does from the actual players. I think fostering an environment, fostering a winning environment. Look, at the end of the day, winning cures all evils. At right. the end of the day, winning cures everything. You look at the podcast numbers for this chart. You look at the, the Twitter followers for Nick. You look at the Twitter followers for Trace. You look at the Twitter followers for Chatterbox Sports, for Locked On Reds, for the Jim Day podcast, free advertisement for all of these Reds podcasts. <laughs> you look at all of these things that are just going up and up and up because the morale in this city is as, as high right now as it has been in a long time. I'm not sure that the morale goes down if you trade anybody besides Joey Votto. And even if you trade Votto, these guys are professional enough that they get over it. They will move on. They will understand that it is a business and that two days later, they need to go out and win a baseball game and that no matter what happens, at the end of the day, their on-field production is what matters to winning games. And having one singular player be a leader is where you lose me. Because I think that it is way too overvalued in a professional locker room where guys are paid hundreds of millions of dollars, or in this case, tens of millions of dollars, to win baseball games. They get over it. They understand what it's like to just have to go out there and win. And if Jonathan India is that guy, or if Nick Crawl understands that Jonathan India is somebody that if you were to trade him, and this is what we don't know. This is what us sitting up here 30 miles north of the city every day in Hamilton, Ohio, do not know. We have no idea if Nick Crawl walks into that locker room every day and he says this and this and this and this. But look, there are days... Where, you know, if, I'll use Xavier as an example because my roommate was a manager. I would hear the stories day in and day out from practice. I would hear, you know, when, it, when we were there, it was Chris Mack. And, well, Mack said this or Mack said that. And we're not going and sharing that with a lot of people because it's, it's team info or whatever it might be that, that we hear. But we, we know what's happening around the team. And then I go on and I, I, I read the fan forums or I read tweets or whatever it might be. And they say, well, what about this? Or what about that? And I'm thinking, oh man, if they only knew. And that's where it, as somebody completely separated from the Reds, as far as, you know, I have no connections down there. I don't have a clue what's happening in that locker room. I don't talk to Nick Crawl. Nick Crawl came and spoke to my sports business class when I was a junior at Xavier, I think. And he there was about 20 of us in the room on a dark night before he was the GM of the team. <laughs> but that's my only interaction with Mr. Nick Crawl. What you need to understand here is that these guys are paid to win baseball games. And if Jonathan India is traded, unless Nick Crawl understands that the entire, the entire atmosphere of this team goes down the toilet if he gets traded, I just don't believe that that's going to happen. Now, on-field production... If you trade a guy like that, say say we're talking about somebody that's stealing 40 bases, hitting 40 home runs, and hitting 320 on the season, you know, an all-time year, and you trade him away for whatever, you know, prospects you need because maybe he's the only person on the team that's producing and you're a third or fourth place team and this guy's having an all-star season and you just get rid of him because you want to build up the year and then the clubhouse atmosphere goes down. Well, in that case, it doesn't really matter because your team sucks anyway. What I'm trying to say here is that it just you just need to keep in perspective who these guys are 
at this level of the game. They are the best in the world at what they do. There is nobody better in the entire world than the few hundred players that play in Major League Baseball. And they are smart enough to understand. And Jonathan India talked about it on the Jim Day podcast. If any, if any of you haven't gone back and listened to that, he talks openly on the Jim Day podcast about being traded and understanding his role and where he needs to be. I would highly recommend you go and listen to it because it's very applicable to this situation right now. And the fact that you just need to go out there and keep somebody because he is who he is, to me, the only person on this team that is that is Joey Votto. But on the flip side, Joey Votto hasn't really been around this group. Joey Votto hasn't been around Ellie or Matt or all these guys. If anything, he's been around him in AAA. Yeah. If anything, he's been around him in Louisville. Yeah. Not at the major league level. They don't know any different. They don't know any different. They just know that they're winning right now. Andrew Abbott just knows that he can't do anything wrong right now. So I think to me where you say Jonathan India is who he is as a leader, you lose me in the fact that the team would completely fall apart in the clubhouse if you traded any one of them. As far as personality goes, you lose faith if you trade Ellie for a crop of double-A prospects. You lose faith because that's what you're building. But character-wise... Fun-wise, playing cards in the clubhouse, that doesn't change. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you at all, Paul. Um, I, I agree with you on that, but I don't think you push the team in a, a good direction by trading India. It's not going to collapse completely, but people are going to be upset. That's just, a, that's just the natural – that is a natural reaction to someone that has been a part of this group, that has been leading the team. Yeah. Keeping um, the fans happy is part of what put us in this situation. I don't – I don't – so I think every point that Paul just made is absolutely true. I don't and, – and I've said this for two days now. It is so hard to quantify what a leader in the clubhouse brings. Paul is absolutely right. They are professionals. They go out. They just try to do their best on the field and win ball games. They've done that before. But if you, if you talk to enough professional athletes, they all will say that there is an element of – guys just having a a certain charisma around them that they just bring glue you ever heard of glue guys that's what they are they they, they show up and the team bonds around them and he can lead them if you talk to the 2010 through 2012 reds they said that was scott Rowland. scott Rowland comes in the clubhouse and immediately changes the vibe in the clubhouse immediately every single person that's been on this show that had something to do with that 2010 team and 2012 team has said that about Scott Rowland. And as for the notion that certain, like they are athletes, they are professional athletes that just go out there and they'll do their job. And that's all you can ask them. Just last night, I get a push notification about the San Diego Padres and how their locker room is at a boiling point because they're not winning. They've got guys that have across the board have had success not only individually but in team atmospheres Manny Machado his entire career for the most part the Orioles were good for his for the majority of his career comes to the Padres and went to the NLCS last year Xander Bogarts has won a World Series Juan Soto has won a World Series Matt Carpenter has won a World Series Hugh Darvish has pitched in a World Series Blake Snell has pitched in a World Series but somehow those guys come together and they can't figure out the locker room atmosphere or so says the push notification that I got so says the reporters that are close to the locker room and are seeing this every single day so it is just so hard 
to quantify what leadership brings to a professional franchise because it is awfully fickle. And because of its nature of being so fickle, you can't make decisions on the roster purely based on the fact that it might upset the apple cart, on the fact that you can't do anything. It is very valid that players can bring that aspect to it, but you can't make decisions based on that. And that is exactly why I said, and what I was in saying there in my point, is that we don't know. And we, we sitting up here in Hamilton do not know. If Nick Crawl walks into that locker room every day, I don't know if he does, but if he does, if Nick Crawl walks into that locker room, or if he's talking to David Bell, and he says, hey, David, if we trade India, or if we trade whoever, I'm using India because that's the hot-button topic right now, whoever it is, let's say it's, it's India, if we trade him, what do you think that does to the locker room? If David Bell's answer is, ah, you know, Nick, I'd really give some pause to trading India. I'd really give some pause to that because these guys have rallied around him when somebody's in a slump. You know, Jonathan might not be playing the best, but he knows how to go over and communicate to somebody how to get out of that slump or how to uh, work through a, an off day. Hey, maybe we don't go and do this and this and this on an off day. Hey, why don't we go out and talk about this and this and this together, whatever it might be. On the flip side, David Bell could be, well, you know, India, he's a really great guy who understands his position on this team. He understands that he's somebody who uh, has had a lot of success at the major league level, but also is somebody that I could see getting traded away, and, and this team wouldn't, ch wouldn't change all that much. If that's the answer, then that's the answer, and then that's, that's all you're looking for. But if the, if the flip side of that answer is, I think there is a seismic shift in this clubhouse because all of a sudden you're going to see guys that maybe ah, start shifting away. I look back, I look back at the, the 2019 Washington Nationals. Gerardo Parra had a mm. very small role on that yes. team. Yes. Very small role on that team. On the field. Had a role, but it wasn't a massive role. But I think if you ask any Nationals fan about that season, I think if you ask anyone, they, every single one without a fault would tell you that the Nationals do not win the World Series that year without Gerardo Parra. I would say that. He didn't contribute as much as a World Series contributor should. If you look at his stats from that year, he had a, a, a decent year, but he was a role player. Yeah. He didn't hit Howie Kendrick's home run that won them the World Series. He was not the World Series MVP. He had a walk-up song that he picked because of his daughter, Baby Shark. And the city <laughs> rallied around it. Did giveaways because of it. Did interviews. Everything. And he was the lead. He was the glue guy of that team. And any Nationals fan would tell you that they don't win that World Series without having somebody in that locker room. And they brought him back last year or the year before. They brought him back as maybe an advisor or whatever it might have been because he went, left the team, came back. Somebody that you can go to and say, hey, maybe let's not take ourselves so seriously. Mm -hmm. I, what I am saying here is I don't know if India is that glue guy. It, that glue guy could be Buck Farmer. Yeah. That glue guy could be Lucas Sims. It's probably not, but it could be. 
It could be Dreamweaver. And that's why Dreamweaver is still sticking around. Yeah. We don't know. But there is a ton of inherent value to whoever that guy is. But what I'm saying is if that guy is not India and they do trade him, the players will get over it. But having somebody in there that adds some levity to a situation where it's not just a free-for-all, because it, in the end, it can't be the manager. The manager has to set the standards. He has to be somebody that sets the expectations. He's somebody that goes out there and uh, puts a lineup out every day, motivates the team. But he's not somebody that's going to go in there and be your best friend. That's not the manager's role. The manager's role is not to be everybody's best friend and tell you that it's all sunshine and roses and everything's going to be okay. You look at major league teams now. I remember back in, in Bowie in 2021, there was a, a, I forget what her actual title was, but a, a mental, kind of like a, a, a mental strength. Sport, sports psychologist. Sports psychologist, yeah. yeah. And if a player was in a slump, I remember asking a few of the guys that year, you know, because she, she was in the dugout for every game. What does she do? Well, hey, if, if I'm in a slump, we go and talk through this and this and this. Having that sports psychologist in the dugout, it helps. A lot of these guys in, in 2023 will tell you that having somebody, especially in a challenging sport like baseball, not to say the others aren't, but boy, you can get in a slump in baseball and have to work through it. And now to have somebody like that, plus a locker room that is fostering a winning culture, which is what the Reds are doing right now and trying to build for the future, all of that matters. But if that glue guy is not Jonathan India, then the guys get over it. But if he is that guy, then there is value to it. And that's something not one of the five of us can share or know or understand. Roll it, Casey. I can use a restroom break. It's that time of the show, the ham and eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Uh, we have not talked about the Cincinnati Bengals or the Cincinnati Bearcats, but they play in Cincinnati, and so do the Reds. So that report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and... Productivity. I did it right that time. <clears throat> Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And I got to tell you guys, are you still drinking regular water? And did you know that alkaline water has been shown to have superior hydration benefits versus regular water in a clinical study? There's a new premium alkaline water out there. It's Pawnee. And I have to tell you, this stuff tastes great. Made right across the street here in Hamilton, Ohio. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Please visit their website at PawneeWater.com. That's P to the A to the H-H-N-I. Yes, that's Pawnee. P to the H to the A to the H-H-S-S to Pawnee. P to the, to the, to the, to the hit it, Casey. Oh, best tasting water in the world. Yes. Pawneewater.com. That's where you can see where you can find this great tasting water at a store near you. Guys, are we okay? We I'm, were, we were, I mean, we we're talking about the, the Padres locker room boiling over. The locker room here at Chatterbox Studios was heated yesterday. I mean, Elliot... And Jacob were <laughs> nose to nose. Elliot wasn't even sticking it either. 
Elliot no. was it was three v one. There honestly. was no sticks Elliot, involved. No sticks. I also I'm I'm sitting like this, guys, because my back is in immense pain. And I'm trying to give it some I'm trying to give my my hip or whatever the hell's going on. I'm trying to give it a little bit of a rest. So excuse my weird put it my weird position right now. Uh, but yeah, no, I Jonathan India is a great guy. I, I you know, people on Twitter were saying, you know, you shouldn't be a fanboy of Jonathan India. This is what happens when you're a fan of a team. You get emotional. This is what happens. I can't are the chat is the chat killing me for this position. Yeah, the chat doesn't love it. Yeah, the chat's not gonna love chat this. But I, I'm just guys, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to heal myself. You look slumped. That's, Paul, that's this is the if position I had to agitate right it's now. slumped. This is the position we're going with. Elliot the is on like the it. bench, not off the bench. Yeah, the you're <laughs> you can cross the, the position. The camera can't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot's a defeated man, physically, is, mentally. Yeah, this is listen. The I'm Zebrazillionaire hasn't won in a month. Zebrazillionaire might never win again. That's a, that's a real concern. I was talking. I was talking with Paul and Jacob yesterday. There was a chance I may never win another bet. I and I and I'm sitting like this right now, like a clown. But I, there's a legitimate chance I will never, ever win another gambling bet. Why did life. you make Zebrazillionaire so hard? Which, by the way, hats off to me for not doing a shtick here because I would have done sarcasm and be like, at least the Zebrazillionaires isn't a hard, a hard feat to, to overcome. But why did you make it so hard that you got to hit four parlays in a week or <laughs> you got to win the week series in or a, else in a period of time where there's only regular season baseball? Right. <laughs> you don't have a lot of options. No, yeah, I don't know. The fact that fading a two-leg parlay would, would probably net you positive money is and crazy. You know what the crazy part is? I legit, most nights, I'm just taking the two biggest favorites on the board. And I'm getting no results. <laughs> I think the Athletics have like 10 wins this season. I've been on the losing side of them every time. You know what I love about the Zebrazillionaires? What? Elliot, please tell me. Is I feel like I can predict it. It is a oh. good team versus the worst team in the league. It's, and almost an it's the two heaviest favorites, right? <laughs> well, it is always whoever the Athletics are playing or the Nationals or, or the Royals Tigers. or the Tigers. Just one of those teams and whoever they're playing. And then there's an under where no runs are going to be scored. Yeah, and I, I, the other one is the under. I love unders in the MLB. I'm just so bad at it that I'll just never win it again. That's my concern. So we might have to adjust the Zebrazillionaire at some point. Or every Monday, I'm just going to get soaked with the water on the streets of Hamilton. you got to go 3-0 and the rest of the week. Yeah, I don't love my chances. Never in the history I would of Zebrazillionaires. I would say there's a 0% chance. Not a 1%, not a 0.1%. I would say there's actually a 0% chance. There's a better chance I, there's a better chance I do a standing backflip right now. In the injury pan, In your prime, you could have. No, I couldn't have. There is no I, – I never got to my prime. When you were fighting, when you were I was playing always, tennis for I the was always, I was always slightly below the prime. Mm. Just like Jonathan India. Just, but just to, like, to help my case a little bit, I, I was an all-city tennis player for Cincinnati. I was all-city. I was given that award, all-city. Congratulations. That's awesome. I, Thank you. Lizzie and I were just talking about getting into tennis the other day. It's a great sport. We were, we, we were talking to Start a – Start with pickleball. That, well, and then that's what it turned into. That's what it turned into. We were talking to a couple of friends, and we were saying, hey, it'd be fun if we did, uh, you know, like a, like a doubles tennis, kind of get into it a little bit. And my friend goes, why don't we just do pickleball? Yeah, you don't have to move as much. Pickleball's fun. 
Pickle, I, I don't like pickleball. Watch ball. out for those injuries, though. Pickleball is, pickleball is a less fun wiffle ball, and they're stealing tennis's brand. That's what I think of pickleball. Bad pickleball. No shtick. That's not even a shtick. I feel like pickleball stole ping pong's yeah. shtick. Yeah, they probably did a little bit of that, too. It's all the same game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're literally, they're, pickleball is literally tennis with a wiffle ball. That's literally what it is. And ping pong is tennis on a table. Yeah, but it's Thus, a different ball. It's a different ball. They, ping pong, there is a skill to it. Do you think pickleball will be in the Olympics? Eventually, yeah. Yeah. They under, let speed under walk five in the Olympics. Olympics from now, pickleball will be in okay, the Olympics. Okay, what, what, what is the criteria? I used to know this. What's the criteria? No How idea. far in advance do you have to have the sport voted in? I think it's two Olympics. It can't be in the next one. It could be in the one after. Right. Yeah. So the upcoming Olympics, which, by the way, are we going to that? They're in Los Angeles. Yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah, let's go. 2028. 2026 is the World Cup here. 2028 is the uh, Olympics. Oh, in the World Cup. I'm sure the U.S. will maybe get out Los of Group Angeles. 7. That'll be good. You're just out on soccer, aren't you? Well, no. I'm out on USA soccer because they're the biggest joke. Keep it over time. there. Hmm. Jacob agrees with me on that. It's un-American. Keep it over there. Let's go. It's un-American. Let's go. We don't hate each other. Unity. Unity from Jacob and I. It's ridiculous. Uh uh let's what was i what were we talking about oh we're talking about the olympics yeah so wherever it is in 2032 pickleball i say it's i say it's at the 2032 olympics qatar 2032 olympics we're doing that again no (laughs) (laughs) oh i thought they'd already voted it i hope oh we're doing that again (laughs) like who'd they pay off this time Firefest 2032 Olympics. Yeah. Oh. Did you see they're trying to run the Firefest back? Billy McFarland. They're trying to. They're going they, to. They are. Billy McFarland's out of jail and he's ready to rock. I mean, what? You'd go. I'd go. You'd go. <laughs> you say that as if I like wouldn't go. No, I'm saying you'd go. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I saw people on Twitter saying, "Oh, I'd never go to fire." Yes, Why would you, you not? Would. This will be the 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 most wild success of any festival yes. of all time. Correct. What are you talking about? There's a 0% chance this Woodstock time. happened. What are you talking about? This will this will beat Woodstock. Whoa! Woodstock is the the cultural event of the 60s. And you think Firefest is not going to be the cultural event of the 2020s? Woods, brother, we have the Eras tour. Good point. Good Woodstock, point. Woodstock is the most Influential popular culture event ever. Ever. Right. Ever. I'm just just saying, like, it's not going to top Woodstock. All right. If anything could, it's Firefest. It's Firefest. Too. Firefest 2. Billy McFar- and there's nobody I trust to run it more than Billy McFarlane. <laughs> Maybe you. I'd trust you more. Who is the. Who is. It? Ja Rule? Ja Rule. What, whatever happened to him? You think he's back on the train? Yeah. Probably best to leave that alone. <laughs> oh, did, oh, I, I have no oh, idea. No. Did he get canceled? I have no idea. I was just oh. guessing. I thought. Oh. I do not like Ja Rule, so he probably didn't get canceled. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh. That's a good parameter. Oh. For, I thought for I thought I was I thought I was <laughs> cooking my goose there. Because I have no idea what happened to him. Let's see. Let's do a live blind react. What happened to Ja Rule? Oh. Is Ja Rule is Ja Rule involved in this fire fest? And when is this fire fest happening? Yeah, 
you're asking me questions that I all don't right, have answers right. to. Paul. I'd be willing to bet that Ja Rule has been involved in at least three different crypto rug pulls. Like he's been a part of at least three different. Who's out on crypto? Is it you that's out on crypto? Yeah, I, I'm with Reed on that. You're out on crypto. I'm out on. I'm out on crypto. If you're in on crypto, well, you don't have money if you're in on crypto. I'm not. I mean, I'm Until not. Until you're not. Well. <laughs> but that's one of the craziest stories of all time. That guy who got who had like three tries to get back into his Bitcoin account. You ever hear that story? Oh yeah. man, is that the worst? Is that? Do you feel like there's anybody in the world who feels more powerless than that guy? No. So, do you want to explain, it or you want me to explain it? You go ahead. Okay. So there is a a gentleman who uh, has a massive crypto wallet, right? Hundreds of millions of dollars. Yep. I think it's hundreds of yep. millions of dollars. Yep. And it's behind a passcode. That are, he created himself. That he right? created himself. And you only have a certain amount of guesses to get that passcode right. It can't be recovered. And once you reach the limit, if you haven't gotten it right, it locks forever and your wallet is just lost to they, wherever. They shred it up. They shred it up. They shred, shred it up, it up. The, the blockchain that holds that crypto. What about the guy? He has one guess left. Is it one left? He has one, one left. left. Oh what my. about the guy that sold um, like 40,000 Bitcoins in 2008 for, for two Domino's yeah. pizzas? Oh, the pizza guy? Yeah. Well, the, the Bitcoin community celebrates that day. That's a holiday in the Bitcoin community. It's in May. It's in late May. Really? Yeah. yeah it's, it's a that whatever day that guy sold his however many Bitcoin for the two Domino's pizza. It was is, like 40,000 Bitcoin. Yeah, whatever it was. at the time. It's it's a it's a holiday in the Bitcoin community, because back in uh, COVID I started re I did not get into crypto, but I at least wanted to figure out what crypto was because I had no clue. So, uh, yeah, it's um it's a big holiday in, wow. the, in the crypto community that every year it's like today whatever they call it Pizza Day whatever it is. Interesting. Yeah. Pie Day. The more you know. Nice. Yeah, March fourteenth. Nice. Did you guys all celebrate Pie Day when you were in? How many digits can you do, Paul? You can probably get it. I can get some. 3.141592665. I, I can't get past the six. 3.141592665. That's where I stopped. Two, maybe? Maybe there's a two after that. There, I think there's a, maybe Why a three after that. Why would you guys spend that? time remembering numbers? That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Did you could... not have to memorize it? No. Oh, we had to memorize it. Up to a certain amount of digits. You could be memorizing who won Cy Young awards and MVPs and World Series wins and how many home runs people hit. Seven degrees of separation from Joe Nuxall. Six. 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 Every player that has ever played in Major League Baseball is six degrees of separation away from Joe Nuxall. And ten degrees of separation from Reed Mouse. So I, I was thinking about that last night. I could go even quicker. Eight degrees of separation from Andrew Benatendi. Because I played with a kid who played with Andrew Benatendi. like that. I like that. So. Every, every Major League Baseball player is six degrees of separation away from Joe Nuxall and eight degrees of separation away from Reed Mouse. So my dad, who uh, maybe loves the Olympics more than anybody that I know, texted me and he said, first opportunity for pickleball is 2036. Nice. It'll be in there. So we're 13 years away. I'll, I'll stake my reputation on pickleball in the 2036 I think Olympics. Yes. Oh, yeah. If we have speed walking... Yeah. We can get pickleball in there. The criteria doesn't seem to be that tough. What Olympic sport? We'll go around the room. Jacob, we'll start with you. Okay. <laughs> what Olympic sport do you think you could qualify for by 2036? 
Now, what Olympic sport wait. couldn't I qualify for by 2036? If I devote 13 years of my life, oh, okay, well, not for the 100 US. meter dash, Jacob. You could not There's qualify no for the 100 for the meter dash. Well, what are you gonna? But no, no, for the U.S. What U.S. sport could you play? In the, no, you know what? I want to even say 2030. Well, you by 2036. I mean, I'll be way too old. So we'll call it. Say you were say you were still like 28 years old. You're able to play 2036. How old will you be in 2036? 35. Okay. So All right. So campaign. 35. 35. That's right. 2036. What could you qualify for in 2036? I mean, the real answer is nothing. But like track, like shot, I think if you dedicated put, 13 javelin, years, like 13 I years, I feel like I feel like those are the the least likely because those are years? universal. Those are universal sports. And those are sports. I guess you're doing it for the United States here, but like, those are where the best athletes. That's true. Go. What about like handball? handball? I see. I think handball is deceptively hard. I think I could play handball right now in the Olympics. I think handball is deceptively. I think. I think there are enough good handball players out there that it's a. It's deceptively tough. It would be deceptively hard to qualify for. I think. Okay. I think. You're. Because is, that would have been my answer, too. There is one that we could all do. Rowing. No. I was no chance. Oh my, no chance. No, no chance. I challenged the Winklevoss twins to a rowing competition one time on Twitter, and they liked it. So, <laughs> I don't know if that was, like, challenge accepted or what, but I think I could take – if I couldn't beat the Winklevoss twins in a rowing competition, I think I could beat them in making a social networking website. God dang it. <laughs> I, said, I said no shticks on Wednesday. I don't, I don't think there's any chance – I don't think there's any ch- – I, I don't know. Elliot, do you have one? Yeah, well, I've got two. I've got the one on the – what's the one where you, where you push the ice? And Curling? Like, Curling? I, but I, that's, I, a summer, that's a Winter Olympics. I'm talking Summer Olympics. Okay, then golf. Give me 13 years to train for golf. Let me fix my no back. Let me, no No way. Quiet. No Let chance. me fix I'm – playing, I'm playing Everett in the chat in a golf match. I said on air that I could beat Everett by seven strokes. That's not probably true. I will probably lose to Everett. However, if you gave me 13 years, if you gave me 13 years to play golf every day, every single day, you, you brother, are, you wouldn't even qualify for the PGA. 13 tour. years, 13, give me 13 years every day. You are you are funded by somebody who gets their. They have so much money that they get their entertainment by purely paying your way. You know, you're living a comfortable life. You're not rich, but you're living a comfortable life. Yes. And and all you do, all of your job. Is this person, this rich person, is investing in you to make the 2036 Olympics in whatever sport you choose, but that's all you do for 13 years? Golf. I will be the next great golfer. That's a fact. 13 years devoted to this? Yeah. I think, I, Un- yeah, I think 13 years you could qualify for hey, golf. There's no chance. I'm already pretty good. Dude, th- I'm shooting in the 80s eight right to t- now. Eight to 10 hours a day. For somebody that already has to a baseline for the for USA thir- golf team for 13 years, no that's how much chance. these guys are all playing. Yeah, but they didn't start at 20, whatever. Well, I didn't start either. I'm shooting in the 80s. I'm not that far. Justin Thomas shot 80 the other day. <laughs> okay, it's the same thing. I think if you, I think if you did eight to 10 hours a day of golf for 13 years, I think you could at least give yourself a shot to qualify. I think you could. I think I could too. Because there are some sports we just like I would I'm not like built to do some of the sports. Like I would not be a good marathon runner. I'm j- I just wouldn't be. I'd be a decent swimmer but I can't hold my breath for very long. Yeah. What about water polo? 
No, no God, no. That's Casey. the hardest. That's, that's that, hard. might be the that might be worse than rowing. That's the hardest sport. The USA sends four golfers to the Olympics. Four. So Elliot would have to be a top four golfer in the United yeah, not, States of yeah, America. Yeah, you got to remember, not all those guys like to play there. They don't want to play for the Olympics. So, you know, it's not the green jacket they're winning. Okay, so then so you have I, to be top ten. I can be top ten. Okay. Vincent. And, and Jonathan India can be a defensive second baseman. What kind of build do you need to be a, to be a road cycler? Like, I've got strong legs. What about, like, a road cycler? You know, that's a – yeah. All right. I don't think I'm big enough to be, like – I honestly, one of the things that I – thought about is if you're giving me like 10 years weightlifting but i don't know if like the build the build is there for me like i feel like i need to be bigger like just naturally than i already am and that's all weight class is, is there weight classes yeah. to that yeah yeah casey i like that your two suggestions were probably the two most difficult hardest suggestions ones. That you what you think? Water polo and and rowing are the two hardest summer Olympic I, sports. I think rowing is, is Brother, near the top. Have you ever tried to row? Oh, you're giving me how long to prepare and to work out my arms to. It's not a warm workout. It's rowing. A whole body. I, I know it's a whole body, but I'm just saying. You're like, using your legs just as much as you're using your arms, if not more, because you kick off. Again, but you have. It is literally just that same motion. Over and over again, just practicing, getting ready for it. I think you could qualify for it. That's what the question was, what we could qualify for, right? I guess what, five yeah. years? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just totally underestimating it. What about fencing? You have 10 years to prepare to fence. 10, ten years? My dad was Base, my... Baseball's back in it, guys. You, what, if we make, what if we made the baseball team? A 40-year-old Reed Mouse. Catcher. Adam Wainwright. Catch. My dad was the director of U.S. fencing for a little while. He got out of that. Wasn't there too long. Also coached swimming in the Olympics. What about bad. the biathlon? Cold better pole. Anyone good at, yeah. at cross-country skiing and shooting with a rifle? <laughs> the biathlon? I don't. Archery. So. Archer, archery. I don't know if you guys know this about me. I like archery. That's a good pick. When I was in eighth grade, St. Peter and Chains here in Hamilton started an archery team. And I joined because it sounded fun. It sounded like a lot of fun. We go to the Arnold Games in Columbus. And at the Arnold Games, I was our top scorer. The team qualifies for nationals in Orlando. I had an F in one of my classes at St. Pete, so I wasn't allowed to go. But we qualified. Hmm. All right. I think I can make archery. There's a gold medalist. Let's from, segue. From, let's segue this Hamilton. show back on track, Paul. Let's see how. Let's see how you do it. Well, I gotta. I'm. I'm trying to. Get, I'm trying to get my pick here. Oh. For what I can. Do. What about? No, table tennis would be impossible. I'm looking at the list. Table tennis, no chance. No chance I could do table tennis. Um, because I would be, 39. So it'd have to be. The real answer is we can't do any of it. Right. We're talking about, I feel like 13 years you could do We're something. talking about 1%. You have to be in the I'm not Ohio. talking about like being the best here in, in the Southwest Ohio. We're talking about being a 1% in anything. But all of these people... To qualify too, though. Yeah, but I'm saying if you, if you put 13 years and that's yeah. all you did, I think you could do it. I think you could do it. I believe, and every one of us could pick something. I don't think there's a single sport I could have I qualified in. I think 13 I think, years is so I think genet long. I think genetics no, yeah, is I mean, is the biggest the biggest obstacle we're overcoming. 
Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I think None of us are abundantly athletic. No, that's what I'm saying. I think there is something Sorry, in here, whether it's, I mean, shooting, shooting's a sport. What about, is diving? Yeah, I've never shot a gun. Is but like 13 years, difficult? you could learn. Is diving difficult? Yes. yes. Like, I still can't is, is dive. That, I still can't take dive. Take away anything though. that requires, like. Casey's still running down just the hardest <laughs> Olympic sport. Yeah. Hang on. Isn't diving more, like, flexibility, though? It's not necessarily. Which I'm not flexible, your... just naturally, so. I'm but we have diving. 10 years to get flexible. I just don't. I, I think you guys are, are overshooting. I've, I've had this conversation with people before about, like, what are you capable of doing if you just devote your life to something? And let me put it this way. I know two people here from South. I brought this up before. Two gymnasts that devoted their life when they turned six years old, didn't stop going to school. And every single day was in the gym becoming a gymnast. They didn't make it to the Olympics. I mean, they were on the national team, but they didn't, they didn't qualify. They were in eighth or ninth place. So they're a few spots off. They devoted their life and their prime of, you know, that specific sport and gymnastics. And it's not like there's millions and millions of girls devoting their life to gymnastics. That is a very, just by devoting your life to gymnastics, you are in the one or 2%. Yeah. And then you've got to be on top of that. So very simply, I don't think any one of us could make any Olympic sport. I could agree with that. Probably not. Golf. Maybe golf. I like my chances. But. And so the thing about golf is now we're talking, you've also got to talk about how big the field is. Everyone freaking plays golf. But you have, you have to be top five of every golfer in the United States of America. Right. So how about them Reds? <laughs> Reds Dream Weaver night. Dream Weaver night. Your okay. thoughts. My predictions? Dream Weaver goes four innings, four and two thirds. He gives up fourteen and a half runs. Uh, there's there'll be the half run is cre he'll leave the game, and then that run will be cre credited to, to Jabot. I think Jabot's up right now for tonight. So Luke Weaver gives up fourteen, but the Reds score eighteen and beat the Orioles to win the series. So your model is showing over. My model is showing over. Okay. I think the number is nine. Yeah. So on Bedford. So, so 32 I, would kill that. So 32 would kill that. Yeah. It's probably going to be in the Z Brazilianaire, which means it's probably going to end up losing. However, in all seriousness, I do think the Reds win this game. They Luke, don't. Luke, they, we, it won't be on the back of Luke Weaver, but the like is he the leader of the team? We don't know because they only win on Luke Weaver night. Yeah, we were talking last week when we went down to the Reds game on uh, Friday night, and he was pitching, and my parents were asking me, "Hey, what do you think?" And I said, "Well, you know, it's going to be." Five runs in the fifth inning. We walk in. Luke Weaver, we, as we sit down, <clears throat> we had not even sat down yet, and it was 5 nothing. I turned to Lizzie, and I said, don't worry. It's still going to be 5 nothing in the fifth inning. Or it's going to be five runs yep. for the Braves in the fifth inning. She goes, Paul, it's 5 nothing as we sit down. You know, she kind of gave me that look. Didn't really yeah. say much, but kind of gave me that look. Had a bunch of Braves fans around us. Maybe I said that a little too loud for the Braves fans to hear as they're doing the chop. <laughs> Start moving around, standing room, having to go up to a different seat. It's crowded. It's the fifth inning. What do you know? Five runs. It's just how it goes. I, I don't know how he does it every time, too. He is like just – he is like – he'll go only five innings, but he'll have three of those innings be perfect innings. Nobody gets on base, and the other two are just disasters. 
just absolute disasters. He'll miss every pitch. He'll give up three home runs. It's always the first inning. It's always the first. Always it's always the, the first, first, first or second inning with him. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but we'll see tonight. I think they win the series. I think they win the series. Off day tomorrow, last off day before the All Star break, I believe. Yep. And then they come back home for San Diego. Yes. And then go out to Washington. Yes. Excuse me, go out to Washington. Yes. Which, by the way, the if anybody I don't know if anybody's listening that's in D.C. or if anybody is, uh, you know, going out there for the Fourth of July, the Fourth of July game in D.C. is one of the coolest traditions in the city. So they play the game. The Nationals always have a home game on the 4th of July. The 4th of July in D.C. is incredible because the fireworks shows is great. There's a concert downtown in front of the Capitol, and then everybody gathers on the mall, and they watch the fireworks. It's incredible. I've done it several times. But one of the coolest things since the Nationals have been in town is that they play the game at 11.05. It's a morning game. Because the city gets so crowded, streets get shut down, it's a disaster of a transportation situation in D.C. that day, that they play the game at 11.05. So you start your day, you go downtown, you go to the Nats game, you start your day with baseball, and then you just stay downtown, you listen to the music, and then there's fireworks at night. So I looked at the schedule, I saw the Reds were there, I'm going to already be in New Jersey, so I can't make it out there, can't, can't get there to do that. But it is one of the coolest things that gets done. And the Reds are going to be a part of that this year. So if anybody's going to that game, if anybody's going to be there, if you're just looking at the schedule and wondering why they play at 11.05 on the 4th of July, that's why. It's, it's the nation's capital for the, for the 4th. Is a, uh, it's, it's an unforgettable experience if anybody gets a chance to ever be a part of it. The fireworks show is one of the best in the country right up there with New York and everybody else. Um, it is phenomenal. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And it starts your day. It's, it's, all, it's a beautiful day. You're there. The hot dogs are getting eaten at the same time yes. out, in, uh, out in Coney Island, which, by the way, I could maybe – you want to talk about something I know for a fact I could never compete in? I could get like three of those hot dogs, four of those hot dogs. Five cr- that, that competition's crazy. I've placed in the Cincinnati Junior hot dog eating competition. I finished fifth, and I think it was 20 – How many did you get? 15 or 16? Uh, high teens. I think it was either 17 or 18. In 10 minutes? minutes? Yeah. I just, I don't know how you even physically get that down. It's all about how dunking do it in the water. That's, and that's so gross. That's Slides so gross Slides down the me. gullet. Stacks real nice in the stomach. Back when Great American had dollar, the dollar stand, I used to get two cherry Cokes, three hot dogs, and I would absolutely dip the hot dog in the cherry Coke. Soggy bun, baby. It was, it was great. Paul, I got a question about Washington. Yes. So I mean, I obviously understand that the Nationals are formerly the Montreal Expos, and that the Washington Senators became the Minnesota Twins, I believe. Maybe I don't know. Rangers. They became the Rangers. Rangers. Okay. okay. But uh, do does Washington like celebrate like great Senators like the like, yeah like Walter Johnson? Oh yeah. Did, does he have something at National Park? Yeah. So out in left field at Nationals Park, there is a big banner. Of I think it's the uh, Washington Sports Hall of Fame, and it's everybody out there. But yes, Wal- Walter Johnson is very much so. Okay. Even though yes, there is because a lot of times what you would hear is uh, you know it's a Nationals record or it's a team record. Mm-hmm. But they've been in D.C. for so long now; they're going on 20 years that there really aren't that many franchise records left that haven't been broken by a National. So 
you know, you can say it's a franchise record or whatever, but it's really everything now is it, it, it's made its way into Nationals lore. But yes, to answer your question, uh, you know, Walter Johnson, all those guys. Um, I don't know if Walter has a statue at Nationals Park. Um, I have to remember, man, it's been so long since I've been there. It's been almost four or five years now since I've been there for a game. Um, but that whole area, you want to talk about an area of D.C. that has completely changed, just like the banks, just like Cincinnati. I mean, that was an area, and I've talked about it here on the show, where you went to a Nationals game. Just like Markham Park here in town. And you left. Yeah. You went to a Nats game. You went down there. You went to, to Nationals Park. You got off the, the, the Metro or you drove wherever, whatever you were doing, and you immediately got back on your transportation and you left. Now, out in left field, there's apartments, there's hotels, there's bars, there's, I think, a sports book out there. I mean, there is so much to do down there um, that it is, it's completely changed and it's nice. It's, it's a very, very nice area down there now, which is nice to hear. A lot of, a lot of production around the ballpark, bars, everything, apartments. It's great. But yes, to answer your question, uh, I would say DC for as much as DC is a transplant city and it's hard. People criticize the nationals a lot for not having, you know, the, the true fans that have been one, they're relatively new. And, you know, my generation was really the first generation that grew up with the nationals. But for two, DC is a city where it's, you're constantly moving. June rolls around, which is the month where the military gets their new assignments. So you see a lot of movement. You see a lot of people, you know, pick up and leave in the middle of the baseball season. And there's a million houses for sale in the area because the army just assigned all these people to go move to whatever base in whatever city or whatever country. And everybody's got to pick up and move. Nobody knows what their dad does because people work for the CIA. I mean, one of my best friends, no clue what his dad does for work. It's just a very, very different area, very, very transparent area, very uh, trans, transplanty area. But they still have the history. You look at the Wizards, the Bullets. Bullets! The Bullets. Is that, is that like the biggest miss of all time? Why? Go back to the Bullets. Am I going to get canceled for that? There's a Hamiltonian that played for the Bullets. Golly, I forget his name. Kevin Grevy? The Bullets. One of the greatest names in, in professional sports franchise history. Oh, couldn't agree more. It's a good logo, too. Great logo. Every team. Kevin Grevy. Let me look at every it. Every team that Bullets. changed their logo from the 90s, early, early 2000s to a new logo has gotten worse. There's no better logo than the big Raptor on Vince Carter's jersey, the the Hawk on Dikembe Mutombo, the the Piston, the the teal Piston Grant Hill jerseys. Like all jerseys got lame. Well, you also have these jerseys that are that there's like a million alternate jerseys, and you don't even know what the team's primary colors are anymore because they roll out there on some random day and. A color that's not even close to their color scheme. Speaking of alternate jerseys, Pittsburgh debuted the City Connects. We oh, talked the mustards. About. They are worse with the helmets. They're a yellow helmet with a like a fake spray painted brim is black. They are worse with the helmets. It's it's a horrible look. Mm. Tough, Casey. Any anything? Any thoughts? Any anything? You've been kind of quiet today. 
No thoughts. No thoughts. <laughs> no, no, no comments. No thoughts. No comments. Okay. Do we have a cherry on top? Do we have a cherry on top? I can. I, I can, can fill. I can. I can. I can All right. You got one. Yeah. I was just. It's gonna be Shohei Otani. No, so. that's fine. Are we spinning that's a fine. wheel today? So what we're gonna do, in lieu of box lunch, is we're gonna put a timer up on the screen. And we're gonna do this. It might look similar to I don't know another sports program that happens on on the mothership, as some people like to call it. Um, and we're gonna do a timer. And the J bar. Are you gonna, gonna interrupt me? Yeah, well, I might. We'll pardon it. Oh, yeah. Okay, pardon <laughs> if I do. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, we're just gonna go down the the list of the, the ticker and and talk about it. But here's the here's the cherry on top because I literally just scrolled pulled up Twitter and I saw this. Shohei Otani struck out ten batters yesterday. Wait for this thing. Shohei Otani struck out 10 batters and hit two home runs. He now leads the league by a good margin. So he struck out Luis Robert, who's one of the best players in the game when he's on the field, on an 89-mile-an-hour splitter, then came up the next half inning and hit an 88-mile-an-hour splitter in the exact same spot, about 400 feet to left center field. If anyone is wondering, Shohei Otani is the greatest baseball player, the most talented baseball player that the world has ever seen, I take great offense when certain people on Chatterbox Red say that Ellie De La Cruz could be the best player on the planet when Shohei Otani is still on this planet. So unless Elon Musk sends him up to Mars to start the, the first Martian baseball team, <laughs> that title firmly goes to Shohei Otani. When I saw the box score last night or when I saw the headline, I was fully expecting a tungsten situation. When I saw Shohei Otani hits two home runs, strikes out 10. Mm-hmm. And the the, the next line cut off, and I hadn't seen the score yet, and the next line of the, the headline cut off. I clicked on it, and I was fully expecting Angels lose to White Sox 5-4. to four. Uh, we're, we're not even halfway into the season yet. We played 80 games. Shohei Otani is minus 650 to win the AL MVP. The only way minus. Which, the only way in which he does it is he has to miss two months due to injury. Correct. I two months. I don't even think a blow-up. I mean, it would have to be a... Never before seen blow up for him to lose this MVP. He's on pace for almost 60 home runs, 56 to be exact, 128 RBIs, leads the league in slugging, 386 on base percentage, batting over 300. Oh, yeah. And also, he has right around a three ERA, is second in the league in strikeouts, and he's got a seven and three record. So, I mean, it's just quite, we, because he plays on the West Coast and plays in the American League, we don't. I mean, I know we see the highlights all the time. We don't fully respect it. If he played in the National League Central, I would go to every game that he came into town. He's legitimately 100%. a top five pitcher and a top five hitter, and it's not really debatable. Right. Right. It, I mean, it's crazy. So what you're saying is he has less wins than Ian Jabot? That's what I heard? <laughs> that is what you're That's saying. That's what I heard? I Correct. heard he has seven wins and Ian Jabot has eight wins? Correct. Huh. Makes you think. Should Ian Jabot get who's the $600 be- Who's really the best international player in the MLB? Is Ian Jabot international? Is he actually from Great Britain? I Great know he Britain. Played- he played for him. That yeah, counts. I don't think, I don't think he's... Well be international. Ian Jabot is... He eats fish and chips. Is from Houston, Texas. Mm. Went to Tulane University. When I think British, I think Tulane, Houston. <laughs> the World Baseball Classic rules... <laughs> are hilarious. Are objectively funny objectively fun like anthony rizzo played for team italy like not this most recent one but like 2012 he played for team italy and quite literally had no one in his family except for like his great grandparents from italy like it's just the nationality like 
compete for Team Germany. You could compete for Team Serbia. Elliot. Thank you. Yeah. That was good of you. I, this, this, this brings me up to my, my other point. So the Mets season was kind of derailed before the season when Edwin Diaz uh, got injured in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. What's your thought of that? What, so should, should play I, – I, if, if, if I have a lot of thoughts on the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd like I'm to hear – Remember what we had yesterday about uh, our good friend Jonathan India? Yeah. We did that for a week on the World Baseball Classic. Yes. The World Baseball Classic is objectively good for the sport. And it'll only get better as long as the players compete in it. And I don't want the fact that there are these freak injuries. I don't want to call them freak injuries because they're just injuries. But I don't want those injuries to deter players from competing for their country. Because it is objectively good for the sport when those are those high-intensity games before the season starts. You're playing spring training games anyway. Right. Like, it's not like there's zero percent chance of injury if you don't go to the World Baseball Classic. I don't understand why it's a huge deal. Well, you look at the Mets, and that's probably why. It's because I mean they can't. Their bullpen's depleted. They have nothing and nobody. But but how? And, do, and, like, and, and, and their and their and their top guy was injured in a, in a tournament. Respectfully, that doesn't mean anything. Celebrating, but here a strikeout, which he could have done in spring training. It's a, like it's a freak injury. Like I don't know. He could have no, and you and you 100% could have. You he one hundred percent could have gotten injured, but it does raise the question because it is a tournament that you know you can opt out not to play in it and nobody cares. Here's here's the thing about the World Baseball Classic, and I'll take a very strong stance on this. No shtick involved. I see Kirby saying that he wants zero Reds pitchers for for ever participating in the World Baseball Classic. That is a very valid take to have to not want your favorite Major League Baseball team to have an injury that can, you know, hurt the season that, you know, obviously you care about the Reds more than you will if Team USA wins the World Baseball Classic. But if you care about the the sport of baseball, like truly care about the sport of baseball, then I will argue that it is selfish for you to not want the best players in the sport to be competing on that stage against one another. I think there's nothing better that can, I think there's nothing that can grow the game quicker than the World Baseball Classic. And I think that there is no greater event. I would say there's no greater event going on in baseball right now. And I want it to only get better. I want it to only get better. I think that's fair. And I think it could maybe eventually, it would obviously never be as big as the World Cup, but to a similar degree, like have fans care about the sport together. And I think that's, that is cool. But to Nick's point, I don't want the Reds, any Red participating in that event. Ever. Hitters, hitters is one thing. I mean, like you would buy a Jonathan India Team USA jersey so fast. I would. No, I, think I you would. You guys would get excited if Hunter Green was pitching for and the you, World Baseball and Classic. And you'd want the USA to trade him to like Jamaica or something. You just, <laughs> you just, you'd want the USA to ship him off, wouldn't you? There's a better defensive second baseman in this country. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's do this box lunch. Are we doing the intro? Are we just gonna? Are we just gonna? No, just thing? fire it up. What am I firing up? But are you wanting me to do the graphics too? I'll do the graphics. Okay. Well, I just just I'm ready to roll. Nick Kirby says he would literally be puking watching Green pitch in the World Baseball Classic. Come on, Nick, pitching for your country, wearing the flag. It'd be cool to see a red out there. It'd be cool. <laughs> it would be oh. cool, but it also doesn't matter objectively. It doesn't matter. Three minutes. That's all we're doing. 
No. We're going to give it four. We'll restart it. Okay. What's Wait, happening? Is this three minutes a topic or is this three, three minutes Three minutes a total? topic. Yep. Okay. And then you have the, the, does, the buzzer. The other sh- I do have the buzzer. The okay. other show does two and a half. Yeah. What other show? Oh, I, sorry. We've oh. got a lot more people talking here. So if they do two and a half for two people, we've got five. Who's that? <laughs> the same people you were just alluding to. No yeah, sticks gotcha, on Wednesday. Gotcha. All right. No, no sticks. They go also right. way over their time limit. <laughs> That's so true. I'm going to go right, way over. Start the timer <laughs> back up to four. Four minutes. All right. We'll do three minutes. What's the matter? I, think I don't care. God, you guys are just hating on this. I'm just trying to, trying to be innovative here. <laughs> Hold on. Mouse, the, mouse cop that like made me laugh, for the record. Me, mouse me cop. Read is and I Mina Kimes. I in real time. do look a lot like Mina Kimes. And Jake Paul. Someone else. They I, got, I got home. I, it's, <laughs> when I got to college, like the first three weeks of me being at Bluffton, people were just telling me, you look a lot like this person I went to school with. You would look a lot like this person. I was like, do is it just the blonde? Like, not all blonde people look, look like alike. people. Right? Do not all blonde people look alike? Except for I do look like Zach Bryan. See, and where you distinguish yourself is the tuft of hair because that tuft of hair really it's look like, like the, Sean McVay too. It is, yeah. It's a little <laughs> bit of the Sean McVay. Sean McVay. It is Sean McVay's tuft. That's a good right. tuft. Right, hang on, uh, uh, it's not working. Oh, it's no. not working. Mm. You want to go timer on the great. phone? This is great. Timer on the phone. It's working. Oh, oh. Timer on the phone. Oh. All right. First topic starts in. Wait. There it is. Whatever. Go. Are you going to be able to. There. All right. Tyler Stevenson. Does Tyler Stevenson get dealt at the trade deadline? Do you think he has a spot on this team moving forward? Jacob, thoughts, as Paul would say. Uh, Two different answers. No, I don't think he gets traded at the trade deadline. No, I don't think he has a position on this team in the future. Yeah, I, I mean, the Trade India crowd, that's a great crowd. There should be uh, uh, the largest crowd of all time on the Trade Tower Stevenson crowd. The guy can't catch, and he's a catcher. That's a problem. That's a serious problem to have. He has literally no position on this team. I would call up Chucky Robinson and send him down. I think Trace has said it before. It's not a bad thing to send a guy down to AAA. It's not like your, your, your career's over. I'd at least try to get him right down there because he can't hit. He can't hit for power, and he can't catch. Other than that, you have nothing. I don't think he gets traded, but who knows? Is it is it worth mentioning his splits between when he catches, which he's like a sub-200 oh, hitter when he catches, and yeah. he's batting near 300, which, once again, batting average is not a great spat, stat to distinguish a hitter, but he is batting near 300 when he's a designated if hitter. If he can't to catch, we have to be able to find a better DH than that. We can't have a slap he has hitter. no at, power. Yeah, we can't have a slap hitter at DH. So let me ask the question. Do you think that they – like? They're not going to. Do you think that they should deal him at the trade deadline? You would have to get a catcher back, and I just don't see you getting a catcher. Honestly, quite frankly, you don't get a catcher back that's as good as Tyler Stevenson right now. I, Tyler Stevenson offers no, no, no value, right? He, what, he needs to go down to Louisville. Yeah, there's no value Tyler Stevenson has. I, it would be, it would be, you would not get anything good in return. Doesn't the fact that Tyler Stevenson came in third place in the Rookie of the Year voting mean <laughs> anything to you, Elliot? Hmm. That's a good question, Reed. You really, you really dug deep for that one. That was a good one. Yeah, it does mean a little bit. Um, he had a great rookie season. I think he does have potential. But un- unlike Jonathan India, he hasn't proven anything, unfortunately, in the MLB. And that sucks, but that's the truth. Paul, thoughts on Tyler Stevens? Trade him. Yeah, go on. See get ya. rid of him. Yep. Yeah, I think— Get, get whatever you can for him. Yeah. I, Luke Maley all year? Is, is from someone that. who doesn't watch enough Reds, is it— is it just completely 
lost? Is him any uh, hope of him catching? Is that gone? I bang the table for Tyler Stevenson to catch every day that he's not in the lineup, and then he catches, and it's so clear why he doesn't. Yeah, it's horrible. Is it beyond? Is it beyond Jonathan India's infielding abilities? John, like, Tyler Stevenson is a worse catcher than Jonathan India is a defensive second baseman. And there's there's no there's that, no hope yeah. for that to get better. Well, and here and here's because yeah. if Jonathan oh, he hasn't caught because unlike the, the argument that we've always had about Jonathan India is that if he figures out how to play second base, he's incredibly valuable. If Tyler Stevenson figures catch. out how to catch, he is, which is why he unstoppable. Needs to go That's down. a top three catcher in the league. You you can't you can't catch him enough up here right now. You need to send him down. Trey said it yesterday. Send him down for two weeks and have him catch. 13 out of 14 days, and then bring him back up and hope it works. But you have to try something. DH him every day is not enough. Yeah, I don't know if there's a fix, unfortunately. But All right. Casey, thoughts on Tyler Stevenson? Uh, I don't think he's playing well. Um, I don't think he has a lot of value at the current moment, so can't really trade him. He just needs to go down. He just needs to go down to Louisville and uh, work, on, work on something. Because it's not good. CES and Tyler Stevenson for Giolito and Yasmani Grandal. I hate that you keep throwing CES in these. I would trade CES. I, if you, CES, is not, CES is not a great defender either, if you care about defense. So I, to me, he seems like the most expendable of the package. I agree. Like, CES seems to me like the guy that if you got rid of somebody, yep. it'd be him. I agree. Because Marte is untouchable. If I, if I offered Virtually. you that trade right now, would you say yes or no? No. I mean, what is Yasmani Grandal? Yasmani Grandal's like, bad. I don't really want him. He's an immediate fix for the catching problem, but I, I don't know. We're, we, you got to look further down the line. Last 20 seconds. Anyone? Anyone? All right, let's move it on up. It's just <laughs> 10 seconds early. Tony, Kornhe Tony Kornheiser could never. White Sammy Sosa is Travis Darnell. Now that's a catcher I would be interested in. Travis Darnell, Darnell and Daniel Murphy are in my nightmares for the 2015 NLCS. That was absolutely one of the worst times of my life. Rajay Davis's home run was actually the worst time of my life. All right, Shohei Otani. Do we think that not only is he going to get dealt at the trade deadline, is if you had to pick where he's going to be next season, do you think he'll be an angel going forward? No, no, I do not. I, so his time as an angel are numbered. His yeah. his days as an angel are numbered. That's correct. I think it's going to be the Dodgers, it's going to be the Yankees, or it's going to be the Mets. I would venture to say the Mets or the Dodgers. If I'm go if 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 there is a if I had to bet my life on it, if if the uh, if the aliens have a death beam pointed on me right now, I would bet my life in the in the fate of the universe on him being a Met or a Dodger. Yep. I I, I just don't. The Angels stink. I mean, the Angels have been a bad franchise. Uh, they don't know how to operate an MLB team, so I would. He wants to play for a winning team. He also wants to make a ton of money. Those are the two. Those are the two options there. I'm pretty confident he's going to be a Dodger. I don't, I don't really think there's anyone else legitimately in the race. I mean, I think the Angels probably have the second best chance, but I, I'm I'm pretty stuck that he's going to be a Dodger. I think it'd be a lot of fun for him to be a Brave. I, you put him in that lineup. That's really exciting, but. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure he's a Dodger. For what it's worth, right now, the Los Angeles Angels are five games back in the AL West. They're seven games over 500 and are currently slotted for a wild card slot. They'll figure out a way to screw that up. Mike Trout has zero playoff wins. Is that right? Yeah, they made it the postseason in 2014. 
Um, they were the number one team in baseball, had the number one offense back in 2014. They got swept by the Kansas City Royals, who went on to lose Game 7 of the World Series against Madison Bumgarner and the San Francisco Giants. That's tough. That's tough. Okay, Paul, you got you think that you I think know, Shohei I, I, will be gone by the end of the month, or do you think he'll last through the year? I think he might last the season. I think he might last the season, but I do think he is eventually gone. Because I think that uh, the way that this this Angel season is going, like this isn't the typical Angel season where they're completely completely out of things yep. early. And you know that it's literally just gonna be the Mike Trout and uh and Shohei show, and then it's just going to be a whole lot of nothing elsewhere. And poor Anthony Rendon is just floating around <laughs> out there. So, I mean, good Lord. So, yeah, I I, uh, I think he's gone. The question you got to ask the Angels, though, is they've had to have talked to Shohei about an extension already. At some point, right. He, their if, their if stance think, is that they want to extend right, Shohei. But if you don't think that's looking 90% like he's going to resign, you have a chance to set your up, yourself up for decades with a trade. Right, you can trade them for Decades. half a season and then just extend them in the Exactly. In the like the the package that A would garner for Shohei Otani is it would be the biggest trade package we've ever seen. I think legitimately if you look around the league, like a team like Pittsburgh, if you look at Pittsburgh, they would trade they would trade their entire farm for a half season. And that half season would be the best thing that's ever happened to the city of Pittsburgh. And I think they'd do it. I think you could get whatever you wanted from any team just because a half season is worth more in that in any city with Shohei than without him. Quick tidbit: When I was in uh, Pittsburgh last week, going up to Steelers fans and asking them if they're worried that they're ever going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals again was just like the the most sticky thing, and it just like melted their brains. For what it's worth, for Shohei Otani, I think that he will stay for the rest of the year. I, if you had me put odds on it, I think it is more likely that he is not on the Angels next year. If you're giving me the field or the Angels, I'm taking the field. Though, if you had me pick, if there's any just one team that is the most likely team that'll have Shohei Otani next year, I think it is the Los Angeles Angels. Although, I pray to God every day that he plays for the Northside Pinstripes. <laughs> White sucks. The White sucks, as we so lovingly like to call them on the North Side. The White sucks. What in the world do the Chicago White Sox do going forward? They are a bad team. They're not going to make the postseason this year. They have just been middling at best since they've had all this young talent. I mean, not to scare Cincinnati Reds fans, but they are very much in the same category that the Reds were are in now. That's where the White Sox were three or four years ago with Luis Roberts, Eloy Jimenez, Juan Moncada, um, Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, all this young talent coming up at the same time, and they have just been mediocre at best. And now the question has to be presented – what in the world do they do with their roster going forward? Luis Robert, when he plays, is one of the best players in the league. Right now, he's hit 22 home runs. He's played in most of the games this year. He's only 25 years old. Eloy Jimenez, 26 years old. Um, Yon Moncada's 28. Gavin Sheets is 27. Andrew Vaughn's 25. Dylan Cease is 26. Michael Kopik's 27. Lucas Giolito's 28. They have all these players for control going forward but it's not working. What in the world do the Chicago White Sox do going forward? Now, Elliot's touched on it with the Jonathan India. I hate to keep going back to the Jonathan India debate, but Elliot's touched it. on it saying he, he won Rookie of the Year. That's what you want the prospects to become. What do the White Sox trade for? If you get prospects, your only goal is to have them be legitimate major league production at 25. Right. That's what they, they're, 
their lineup is full of right now. So you trade these guys, and then best case scenario, you're sitting right here in three, four years, and you're hoping for it to go a different way. I don't know. I mean, the White Sox are the, the Reds' nightmare right now. Having you make that argument against me right now is so sad. I mean, you, you, you just used my argument. That's like, my whole. That's my argument White, for the White Sox. Yeah, the White Sox are a joke. I don't know how. You, I don't know what you do. If I'm going to be completely honest, they let Carlos Rodon go. I don't. It doesn't seem like again the owner. Who's the owner? Reed. No idea. I don't know. Reinsdorf? No is it Reinsdorf? Jerry Reinsdorf? Yeah. Oh, the 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 oh, Bulls guy. Bulls guy. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that him? Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. Um, I, it appears he doesn't want to win baseball games because somewhere along the line they just stopped trying during the uh, off season. And they just tried to keep what they had, and uh, and again injuries have plagued them. It, they let guys, they let a couple good pitchers go. I don't know what you do. For it, what it's worth, they got Mike Clevenger and Andrew Benintendi in the offseason. so they tried. They uh, a little bit. They tried a little bit. Uh, and Clevenger has been bad, I would say. Right. Benintendi didn't hit a home run until about month three. Yeah, that's tough. They, but ne- neither one of those have been great. Eh, Benintendi's been all right. But you can't no fault him for that. No, like, and that, you, no, you're, no, you're no. still trying. I just think at this point, at this point, you almost have to blow it up. Unless you're committed, unless you're committed to spending, which it doesn't seem like they are. I don't know. Maybe they are. I think maybe maybe you pick they, they're, one. They're guy. not afraid to spend money. No. They don't do it a lot, but they have done it. It's just it's such a weird spot to be in because, like like I said, it is the Reds' nightmare that they are. They have these 26, 27 year olds that have immense talent, can get a haul, but it just isn't working. So you're just stuck in this weird limbo of what in the hell do you do with this team? And I don't know. I don't know that answer. Marcus Stroman? Yeah, let's move on down to Marcus Stroman. Let's move it. So baseball or Bleacher Report put out crazy trades that the name of the article was Outrageous Trades to Shake Up at the 2023 MLB Trade Deadline. Before I get to this, actually, Mouse Cop said I would never make it on the south side of Chicago. I spent a month in college in a homeless shelter on the south side of Chicago, and I came out unscathed. Tell me if you've ever had life experiences like that, Sebastian. All right, back to Marcus Stroman. <laughs> Government names. Uh, Marcus Stroman to the Cincinnati Reds for CES. Would you guys be pro- trading CES for Marcus Stroman, who is a bona fide Cy Young candidate this year. No, thank you. I have no desire for a ground ball contact pitcher with, for all intents and purposes, a two-month rental in Great American Ballpark. Uh, I mean, Stroman, he's a ground ball pitcher, which, you know, it's working out for him this year. He's been great, and he's had a pretty good career, but I don't, I don't like a pitcher that pitches to contact in Great American Ballpark with Jonathan India playing second base. Mm. Yeah, I'm not trading CES for Marcus Stroman. I think Marcus Stroman would hate it here. I really do. I think Marcus Stroman does not want to be in Cincinnati. <laughs> I think Cincinnati fans would hate Marcus Stroman. <laughs> I, I literally, literally, I don't think there's a worse fit. I, I think Marcus Stroman does not fit in well here. I think he hates. I think he hated all the Mets fans. I he, he hates. I think every, he just hates everybody. Yeah, I think I he hates everybody. The last Cub, the last Cub pitcher we got, Pedro Strope. That guy stunk. I don't want any Cub pitcher on my team. You would take CES though. Well, yeah, so that fits the, be the a great trade for the Cubs. Yeah, it, would be it great fits trade the Cubs very well in the fact that they well, currently sure. do not have a first baseman. Another power bat is uh, exactly yeah. what the doctor ordered. Um, and Marcus Stroman is clearly going to opt out of his contract. He has another; he's a player option this year. Um, he's clearly going to opt out because of right. the success that he's having this season. He can he can go get paid somewhere else. Um, yeah, I would. I don't know if I'd take it for the. I still think that the Cubs can compete. 
I think that the Cubs have a, have a have a pretty deep farm system right now, so I'm not worried about not worried about really doing anything else. But they can compete right now. I wouldn't want to trade Marcus Stroman, and like you guys have said, I don't think it, it's a good fit because it's Great American Ballpark. Ground ball pitchers don't really work well. Contact pitchers don't work well at, at GABP, and not to mention that currently the a big reason for Marcus Stroman's success is because up the middle he has Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner, who are the best defensive shortstop second base combo in the league and the reds currently don't have that with jonathan india playing second base so it's a, uh, I don't know i don't think anyone really likes that trade i do it for jeff samarja though why jeff samarja i liked him i think he was good i love jeff samarja he was one of my favorite guys i loved jeff i would samarja. i would put on wgn uh um on my TV, I forget what channel it was. I think it was in the 70s when I, when I would ever I would do it. But it would always be a Cubs game. He was always pitching. No matter what, him or Zambrano would come out there and they'd always be pitching when I watched them. Cubs. They, did they play together? Jeff Samarja and Carlos Zambrano? Uh, I think they overlapped. I think they overlapped. Maybe not. It is crazy. Like, Carlos Zambrano is basically Joey Votto's Yes, Tim. Channel he 64. Ha he hasn't played in 10 years, which is just comical. All right, guys. If I gave you... The Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Pirates to win the division, or the Reds and the Cubs. Like, if I gave you a bet on even or even money on both sides, are you taking the Reds, Cubs, or are you taking the Brewers, Cardinals, Pirates? Irresponsibly, Reds, Cubs. I mean, that, those are the two. I responsibly? Know, it's responsibly, Reds, Cubs. That's right. The, those are the, I think those are the only two teams that have a shot. I mean, granted, if, if the, the Cardinals, Elliot's pointed it out, they're terrifying if they figure this out. I mean, they have the names. But I just feel like the Reds and the Cubs are going to keep getting better while the Brewers and the Cardinals – well, I guess the Cardinals can't really get worse, but while the Brewers get worse. The Brewers' roster is bad offensively, very, very, very bad. The Cardinals' lineup, dude, it's, it's one of the best lineups in baseball still. Their pitching needs work. I don't know – if they stay this low, they're not going to go all in because, it, I mean, they're just too far back at that point. But the Cardinals are going to make a run at some point this season. I'm concerned about the St. Louis Cardinals. I, am, I, will, I will always be concerned about the St. Louis Cardinals. That's one, of the great, that's one of the greatest organizations in the MLB. So never rule them out. According to Fangraphs, at this very moment, the Brewers have a 50% shot of winning the division. 48.4%. The Cardinals have a 12.7% chance of winning the division. The Pirates have a 3.7%. So you're given pretty much a 35% shot with the Reds and the Cubs, according to Fangraphs, and, you know, whatever the opposite is, 65% for, for the other side. Now, if you go on baseball reference, it's a little different. They have the Chicago Cubs winning the division over, like, they have a 60% shot to win the division. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I think the Reds and the Cubs are most notably suited. I think that the Bats are just scary for the Milwaukee Brewers, and I truly think, I think Kirby alluded to it earlier, I, I – if you had me put money on it right now, I think the Milwaukee Brewers are going to sell at the deadline unless they amount like a six-game lead all in this month. Yep. Which they could do because they play the Reds six times, and I believe they play the Red or the Cubs at least for one series. So that very well could happen. But unless they amount, amount a huge lead in the division, I think they're going to see some of those key pieces gone by the, by the end of July. All right, if I had you guys put money on one World Series winner, you could only pick one. Who are you taking? I think it's unanimous. I think it's the Braves. Um, 
Just a little shell shocked from the Braves right now. I think the, I think the Braves are the are the have the best roster in Major League Baseball right now. I I am fret. Acuna hit two home runs like it was nothing last night. I am very 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 concerned about the Atlanta Braves. I think they are going to win the World Series. I would if I if you had to bet who who they would play, I would probably have them up against the Rays. The Rays are just very good at baseball. So Rays versus Braves, and the Rays will choke in the big moment. I'll take Braves. The top team in each conference. Good take. Way to really stick your neck out there, Elliot. Sorry. Each league? Each league. My bad. Oh, and you got humbled. I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't like when people do that, so I recant that. I, I once called a, a, a major league manager a coach, the head coach, and people like got all over me, and I'm like, all right, whatever. It's all the same thing. Um, uh, for right now, the greatest odds, the, the, the lowest odds are the Braves on Betfred Sportsbook, plus 350. I, I'm going to say the Orioles. Now, I, I don't think they have any chance of winning that division. I think the Rays are going to kind of you know, stick that out the whole way through. They're, they're pesky, man, and they're young, and they have more talent coming up, and you, you got to think these guys in their lineup, much like the Reds, are just going to keep getting better. So I, I think the Orioles are setting themselves up for a real special run. At this very moment, the Orioles have longer odds than the San Diego Padres, who have like a 10% shot of making the postseason. I, li- I like the Orioles, man. I'll if bet they em. can figure out this pitching, John Means is coming back soon. If they can get some good pitching going, the Orioles are scary. I'm looking at value here. Casey, you want to you want to take um, stick your neck out on a World Series winner? I'm, I'll let you look over here at this this list. You got the Braves at plus three fifty, Rays at plus four seventy five, Dodgers plus five fifty. Then it gets a little longer. The Phillies. Yep. Um, if we're doing yeah, best I'm, value, I'm going, I change my answer. I'm actually going to go very controversial here. Astros back to back. Ooh, hasn't been done since 2019-99 New York Yankees. Paul, you're running out. 25 seconds. Dodgers. Taking the Dodgers plus 550. I'm taking the Cubs at 85 to 1. Perfect. It's a clear, it's a clear, clear winner there. Guys, thank you for enjoying this Are we fun doing- little game. We got in the vault. If you guys got a bet, because it's his sponsor, you know, Box uh, Lunch is sponsored by Betfred Sportsbook. We know Elliot. Does. Hang on, hang on. Just keep talking for like two more seconds. Okay, I'm talking. I'm talking. <laughs> oh. All right, let's go. <laughs> Uh, I can't wait to see the Zillionaires today. I can't. Is the Zillionaires gonna? Is this the last week of the Zillionaires? No, I mean we got to keep it going. We got to see how bad it can get. Honestly, at this but it, point, it literally can't get worse, dude. No, it can. No, it can. It can get worse. I can just. You not don't win. win. It can't get worse <laughs> than lo- It can't get worse than zero. Yeah, I. It'll win today. I think you might have a better shot if you stop picking the two biggest favorites. The gambling what, gods are not happy at What's going to happen, and people are, people are not going to like this, Jacob, what's going to end up happening is I'm just going to take minus 10,000s and parlay them. I'm going to take <laughs> Dodgers. Yeah, I'm going to take Dodgers plus 7.5 against the Rockies is what, is what we're going to have to eventually get to. But I'm trying to be a man of honor. I'm trying to be a man of honor and live with the, live with the consequences of being a, the worst gambler ever. But today, we'll, we'll see you. We'll it's, it's looks zebra. like you're going to start your third week in a row as a wet, wet boy. Jacob, can you have some positive vibes for me one time? One time, Jacob. I'll work on it. My what? bet today, let me look. I mean. Jacob, I'm, did we win yesterday? Did we? With the Betfred boost? With the Betfred With boost? With the Betfred boost. I think we did. Reed, did your picks win yesterday? Uh, no, neither one of them did. Oh. 
We do, we do have to bring back the record, though. We do have to bring back the record because there's no Stickless way. Stickless wor- Wednesday, guys. Because there's no way I'm a worse gambler than Reed. There's just no way. All right. I don't um, know that anyone's a worse what gambler. What a than shot. Me. My pick, my respectfully, <laughs> right? With all due respect, love. Reds plus. Keep one, moving those eyebrows. Reds, Reds, you like that? Reds plus 140. Um, it's Luke Weaver Day. Now you're not moving the eyebrows enough. It's Luke, it's, it's Luke Weaver Day. Um, Reds don't lose on Luke Weaver Day. No matter what happens, they're plus 140. Great value. That is great value. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the over 9.5 in the Reds game. Luke Weaver is going to allow five runs, which means naturally we'll have to score six to win, which cashes the over. That's good. Yeah. Great That's bet. Uh, Brewers plus 125 against the Mets. This is a full fade of the Mets. I like it. Case? Well, the the uh, the props aren't out yet, but I would probably and will take Matt McClain total bases, whatever that is. I love just the blind faith in Matt McClain. That's smart. He's been on 100%. base 17 straight games. I love Matt McClain. I love Spencer Steer. I like those guys. They're they're great ball players. I, I I also like the over in the Reds game. I like the over in the Reds game. I also like the Phillies on the on the money line tonight. Aaron, Aaron Nola against Drew Smiley. Yeah, go Let's ahead and take go ahead and take Aaron Nola. Like Steve it. Steve Cohen, by the way, tonight a state of a state of the union address for all Mets fans. So tune in for that one. I'm he sure. said, "I will speak directly." Yeah, I will get out in front of this. I are will we, speak directly to you. Are we going to see any thumb? Any, yes. Any fist and thumb? <laughs> <laughs> one of these guys? Yeah, there you go, Paul. Yeah, these these the politician. All right, we're in the vault. Where are we going? Where are we going, where are we going for lunch? Where are we going for lunch? Well, let me just let me say something really quickly to address something. Okay. Um, when we have the wheel of lunch on, our audio is going to crack. Sorry, everyone. That's just we're going to have to live with it because you there's did no other a, there's I no other way I can get voice. it up here without without that being a, an issue. So. You did get a compliment on the uh, on the the crackling being gone, Casey. Yeah. Well, it's back. It's probably better than ever right now. So I love the names on this wheel. Let's Drew, just spin that. Is that Beatrice? What a name. That's a beautiful name. Drew says that he doesn't understand total base bets. Do you not understand when people bet them, or do you not understand what you're betting? Well, so a total base bet is a hit. It, it, it doesn't count for walks or hit by pitches or a fielder's choice. Stolen bases. It's, o- it's only hits. It's only hits. Correct. So if you get a double, that's two bases. Yeah. If you get a single, you're at one base. Which, by the way, I got blown up in the chat last night. Two singles that, is two bases. For that weird, that weird play at the that could have been the last out of the game. Because oh yeah, because the the runner I forget who that was, but the runner stole second, but he didn't actually steal second. It was oh, defensive yeah. indifference, and then started to go back, and then eventually ended up at second. So I commented in in the chat, "What a win for uh, a stolen base bet." Hmm. Because it was defensive indifference, but the play doesn't actually end right. until the play is over. Yeah. The problem was it was a stolen base, but it was a stolen base error. So I don't think he gets credit for the stolen base. That's weird. I don't know if no, well, I went it back. It can't the, be defensive. Indifference. It was not defensive indifference because everybody in the chat started screaming at me. Defensive indifference. It it's be. not defensive indifference. But I don't know what the, I don't know if he got credit for a stolen base because it said Let's check. stolen base error. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know what you do. What do you mean? When, when he, when he, so he, did I you see the play? Okay, last I, night? No, I didn't. No, no. no. Okay, so, so explain so this play to the me. Runner, I'll, try to, I'll player, try to explain it to you. The, the Orioles players stole second base on okay. defensive indifference on the last, there were two outs in the ninth inning. 
first, advances to second, no throw. So uh, was there a runner on base? No. no. But okay, he, so that's that's well, defensive wait, indifference. Wait, is, okay, wait, okay. Just, just wait. Whoever was at the plate for the Orioles swung. The guy that was running to second thought it was a foul ball, so he starts going back to first. The Reds start scrambling going, hey, let's just tag him out. It's the third out of the game. So he decides to run back to second base because he was like a third of the way back to first base. He turns around and goes back to second base. Diaz steps off the mound when he realizes what's going on, throws the ball to second. Would have been an, just an easy tag, but he throws the ball into center field. So the runner then is safe at second base. Play doesn't end until the play is over. Yeah. That was a, one of the greatest sentences ever uttered. The play doesn't end <laughs> until the play is over. Yeah, I don't know what the call so is on that. In the box score, it said the, uh, stolen base error. That was how it was listed on MLB.com. But I don't know. I don't know that, if that means that, he gets that makes credit sense for to a me. stolen that makes base. Sense to me. There's a there's a, a huge misunderstanding I think most people have about um, catcher indifference or defensive indifference. You the team doesn't have to attempt to throw a guy out for there to be catcher and like or to, to have that play happen. Yeah. Defensive indifference only truly only happens when there's another runner on base, right? Like like if the catcher just can't throw anybody out. Like this, so this happens in, in an adult baseball league quite a bit. Is to where the catcher just has no arm to get it to second base, and people just keep stealing on them. Those aren't catcher indifferences when they're just not trying to attempt to to throw them out. It really only happens when it's first and third, and the dude on first base takes off to elicit a throw to get in a run down to to get that. Those are stolen bases if there's nobody else on base. As for that play, if he stole second base, then he stole second base, and then there was just a hugabaloo, and then he got second base again from the air. So that yeah. seems like the right scoring decision. All right. Uh, we have literally everything in the city of Hamilton on this list, so this is going to take a second. Uh, I do want everybody to know that Billy Yanks means no lunch because they are not open. There's also a no lunch. B Billy Yanks is – oh, so, so we, we have, so we no have two no We have two no lunch slices. And Bill I am starving. Billy Yanks does not open for lunch uh, <laughs> until – they don't open until 4 o'clock, but on Fridays they're open for lunch. If we that's, go to Raising Canes, wanted, so they, I have put a, it in there. they have Jacob Tizzit cups at uh, Raising Canes. I'm, I'm not getting joke. It is stick. It is stickless Wednesday. Yeah, it's a Post Malone cup. Oh, wow. Also didn't get it. Man, whatever wins this really deserves the win, given mm, how many sorry, slices sorry, are up there. I oh, Culver's. Today. I know you love a little Wisconsin hospitality. Man, you could smack a Culver's burger right now. Firehouse wouldn't be terrible. Mm. I've been wanting Hot head. head. I've been wanting. I, I need you to get over this peanut allergy so I can take you guys to Mad Mike's. Get a real burger. Well, I could just go to McDonald's if you want to go to Mad Mike's. No, it's okay. Stick. Ah. This is getting ugly quick. Mouse Cop, I'm sorry if they're using the government name. I would also. Skyline is a, is a no lunch slice for me, too. I just ate that last night. Oh, well, never mind. We're good. Well, you still got gold star. Gold star too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking slim here. Yikes. Do you guys think the Dodgers get the win over the Suds tonight? Absolutely. Yeah, I'll it's rock. not even a team name. I'll rock with you. See ya, Panda. <laughs> See ya. Why are we hating Panda? Oh. What's not? It's not a See. Ya. <laughs> I don't, but I'm just saying. That was a lot of hate oh. for an animal like myself. See a gold star. And then zebra. All right, we're doing okay here. We got to get rid of. 
Well, we still have two no lunch slices up here. We have four bad options there. Keep going. That's Dang. big time. All right, that's huge. Burger King gets a bad rep. I like Burger King. Burger King sucks. Burger King's horrible. Burger King's I figured. Cool. Burger, King's I figured all right. I figured all three of you guys would say that about Burger King. So Burger King is good. Well, it's not just us; it's the entire country. Yeah, I get it. You, you, you group think you don't ever have an opinion of your own. I get it. I like Burger King. <laughs> I like Burger King a lot. It's not a contrarian for clicks. This is the second day in a row we've had green, blue, and yellow, or the second wheel in a row. Mm. Just we still minute? have no lunch hanging around here. <laughs> Stop. Where's the little thing? I can't tell. We're good. We're good. No lunch has been eliminated. We'll have lunch. If it's Taco Bell, I'm going no lunch. If it's, yeah, Taco Bell is also no lunch. Yeah. What? Oh, well, that, that just hurt my soul. Yeah, what? Damn. Baja Blast? Eating Taco Bell when the sun is up is questionable. <laughs> I don't even have to tell them my order. That's a big Oh, problem. God. Yikes. I mean, this is a, a horrible This deal. sucks. This sucks. I'm going to try the new Grimace shake. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get the Grimace meal. Um, Taco Bell. Taco yeah. Bell. No Quesadilla. All righty. All right. Who's, I will. Who's Box Lunch sponsored by? Box Lunch is sponsored by Betfred Sportsbook. This entire company is sponsored by Betfred Sportsbook. Betfred, we thank you for sponsoring Chatterbox Sports. Also, thank you to EDF. Thank you to Encore Technologies. Thank you to Pawnee Water. And thank you to all of you for sticking around and watching this show all morning long. It's 1232 right now, and we're signing off. We'll see you tomorrow. We have Tracy Jones on tomorrow. Uh, potentially another guest. We'll see uh, on tomorrow, but Tracy will be there. And then Rick Roaring will be joining us on Friday. So Yeah, baby. It'll be a good week. See you, everybody. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow on Off the Bench.